Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West End podcast, and this week's episode is sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk, where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. In this week's draw, you can win a fantastic signed and framed Mikel Antonio shirt. Tickets are just £4.95 each and only 99 will be sold. The competition ends on Friday the 29th of October at 7.30pm and the draw is made an hour later live on the Football Prizes Facebook page. There's been some fantastic signed pieces from Paolo Di Canio, Declan Rice, Vladimir Sufal and Saeed Benrahma up for grabs since their launch. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out. Tottenham get battered everywhere they go. Tottenham get battered everywhere they go. Everywhere they go. West Ham United are fourth in the Premier League. Three wins in the space of eight days. One away at Everton where we never win. One in European competition and one at home to our bitter rivals, Tottenham Hotspur. Fourth place in the Premier League. Top of our Europa League group and unbeaten. And it's only the 25th of October. If anyone had said this to you a couple of years ago when things were oh so grim, at West Ham United, you'd have absolutely ripped their arm off. Not a game to remember at London Stadium on Sunday. Obviously, it is because of the result, but certainly the uh, the actual game was certainly not one for the ages. It was hardly the six-goal thriller uh, that myself and Talk Sports, Mr Tottenham, Paul Coit, were talking about on last week's show. But f- quite frankly, who cares? We nicked it bit of a grubby fashion in the corner. Mikhail Antonio poking his leg out on an afternoon where I think he ran in total about 10 yards. But like I say, I've said it once and I'll say it again. 
who cares? West Ham United won. Tottenham Hotspur nil. Absolutely flying. I am joined tonight by my very good friend and colleague, and we are West Ham co-host. It's James Jones. Jonesy, it's I, I feel like we've sort of plateaued out with happiness now. There's just nowhere to go from here, really. It's, it, it cannot get any better, it feels. Obviously, it could, um, you know, a, a competition or two, a progression in the Europa League. Things will only get better. But it, it I mean, we're, we're, it's like we, we started doing these podcasts, didn't we? And week in, week out, the, the task that we had ahead of us every week was to try and make the show listenable so it wasn't just two people <laughs> moaning and being miserable about the absolute disarray that our football club was in. If anything, strangely, it's harder to do a podcast at the moment because we're just not used to we're just not used to it, are we? We don't know how to conduct ourselves when our football team is making us as proud as you can possibly be week in, week out, and we're winning games and taking on all comers. It's very much out of our comfort zones, isn't it? Massively. Massively, mate. Um, what a win. Uh, I was quite confident going into that, into the game. Spurs won't mind messaged me and said, are oh, you nervous for your cup final on, on Sunday morning? Oh, such and, dead banter, that. Isn't it? Uh, rub, rubbish banter for a start. But I was like, do you know what? It's the first, one of the first times in a long time I've woken up in the morning of a game against Spurs and, and not really felt that nervous or that that worried about what's to come. I'm not definitely good enough to match them. But I was thinking earlier to myself, if as you just said, if it's so good at the moment, what my how, how do we praise this West Ham team in, in a way that we haven't already praised them before mm. up to this point? Um and now, now we've gone from finding different ways to to praise the club um compared to what what only what two years ago finding different ways to moan about the football club, um, it's just yeah, it's crazy. But um, just a, like fourth in the league again, Michel Antonio nicking a win. He was always going to score if we were going to win one nil. It was always going to be him, wasn't it? And um, yeah. and I love the fact that it came via Harry Kane, just not bothering to try and stop him <laughs> from like just woeful. I mean, I know he's not a defender, but come on. Right. Have you have you seen a more uninspired footballer than Harry Kane? Oh, he's just not interested, is he? Doesn't want to be there. <laughs> absolutely um, hate it, and I it? and I absolutely love it. I think it's hilarious. I think it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. I didn't. He might as well not have been on the pitch, right? Yeah. He didn't get a sniff. I know we defended well and all that sort of stuff, but um, yeah, never seen anything like it in uh, in my life. And if it wasn't Tottenham, I'd, I, you know, I would probably feel sorry for him, for him a bit because uh, obviously love what he does for England as well, and and do have massive respect for what he's done. Um, but yeah, I've, uh, yeah, since since I think I don't think I've seen him play as bad as that since he was on loan at Millwall and uh, got slung on in the right wing for them at Upton Park when we played him and he was absolutely gangly and atrocious. But uh, yeah, Jonesy, look, obviously we'll get into all of this in a lot more detail later on in the show, that Tottenham reaction. We've got lots coming up, but I just want to um, congratulate you first of all and let you share it to a, a slightly wider audience. Um your tweet <laughs> after the game uh, referring to Tottenham fans <laughs> who think it's sensational banter to call West Ham United wet spam. Uh, just just run us through that tweet. That got a very, very hearty laugh from uh, me and a lot of applause. So, uh, yeah, for anyone who doesn't follow that, we are underscore West Ham 
on Twitter, who uh, I, I did share your tweet uh, off of our account when it went up on on Sunday night. But just uh, just remind everyone what it was you put out to the Twitter sphere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this has always been a bugbear of mine, but. Um... Yeah, I just went, that one's for every single adult Spurs fan who still thinks it's absolutely sensational banter to say wet spam when referring to the biggest <laughs> club in London, Lions. Um, and it's true. Like, and it's not just wet spam. It's things like spammers. And um, <laughs> just weird, just like really weird things to say, like when you're a fully grown bloke um, talking amongst <laughs> you. And it, like, you, you'd like, you, you might walk past a couple of Spurs fans in the street and you'd overhear one going, oh, I'm paying wet spam at the weekend. It's like, mate, you're talking to your pal. Like, what are you doing? Who's also like, a grown-up. Yeah, it's like, you flick through, like, I, I occasionally flick through when we're play, either after a game or before a game, flick through the forums of whoever we're playing to see what fans are saying about their club, about us and stuff like that. And um, the Tottenham one's always the most hilarious because it literally is just them thinking of different ways that are really unfunny to describe West Ham. Um <laughs> Like really derogatory terms as well, like things I can't say on you know on the podcast. But mm. wet spam is always offen- the one. not as offensive as wet not spam. As yeah, no, wet spam is just a weird one. It's like what, wait, mate, you're like should have done a language warning, really, here, shouldn't we? Yeah, I mean it's terrible, terrible language. But like, mate, you're like fifty years old. Why? And in fact, you've even gone out your way to like type it out as well. It's like it's not as if it's like a slip of the tongue. Like, come do, you, on. do you think? Where do you think it compares? Just to play devil's advocate slightly here. Where do you think it compares with when West Ham fans, which I am guilty of every now and then, when West Ham fans call, call Spurs spuds? <laughs> I mean, I get it, yeah. An equally that. tragic one to me. Probably. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I used to say spuds. Um, yeah. I don't anymore purely because I've been... I've, it's not the first time you've grown up. You turned 18. That, that yeah. but also I'm very well aware that this isn't the first time I've been vocal on Twitter about the whole wet spam thing. Um, and I just, I'm well aware that if I started saying spuds again, if I'd suddenly become immature all of a sudden, then I'd yeah. be like, people would dig out old tweets of me having a go at Spurs fans. So, um, mm. you're putting yourself yeah. on a platform there, aren't you? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's just a weird thing. So that win was for them. Just, <laughs> just a little reminder that wet spam are bigger than spuds at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, exactly that, mate. Exactly. Well, look, like I say, we'll get into uh, a bit of that uh, later in the show. Just do a bit of housekeeping, as always, to kick off. Uh, follow us on Twitter, where you can get absolute gold like that uh, from James Jones. James is at, at by James Jones on his personal account. I'm at, at William Pugh underscore. If you want to get me, but the podcast can be followed at we are underscore West Ham. We're we are West Ham pod on Instagram. On Facebook and YouTube, just search We Are West Ham Podcast, where you get uh, both the pages there. You can watch a few more of the video clips of us doing the show, the interviews we do, all that sort of stuff. Or you can email us, if you wish, at wearewesthampod at gmail.com. The links all the ways you can follow and contact the podcast are included in the description to this pod so just scroll down you'll find the links of those in the description if you so wish uh, you can of course also buy uh, me and jonesy a beer and support the podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash we are west ham couple of new 
donations really, which uh, recently, excuse me, which we really appreciate. And uh, rest assured that uh, quite a bit of that money got spent at the Football Content Awards the other week when me and Jonesy were nominated for uh, Best Charitable Campaign. Uh, yeah, so thanks very much to those of you who've done it already. Um, if any future donations, of course, welcome. Uh, just to let you know what is coming up. On the show tonight, we'll have reaction to both of those phenomenal wins. First of all, the Genk game at home on Thursday night really made light work of the Belgians after a little bit of squeaky bum time uh, when their goal was disallowed in the first half. Then we'll have reaction to that Tottenham game. Actually, you know what, Josie? I'm making an immediate uh, change on the spot here. We're going to do Tottenham reaction first because that's the most recent thing. It's the most thing that that we want to talk about the most. So we're going to do Tottenham reaction first. Then you'll have Genk reaction. We'll have Betway charity bets. Of course, double opposition view again, because we've got a game at home to Manchester City on Wednesday before Aston Villa uh, away. And on Halloween, that is 31st of October is our next Premier League game. We'll have a little uh, section of the end. No West Ham women this week, so didn't have a game uh, before we say goodbye for another week absolutely loads to cover we'll have some more quality uh tottenham slash west ham banter we'll touch on a little bit of of trouble scenes that we saw emerging after the game as well and uh yeah we'll delve into it all in a bit more detail all of that coming up next To cap off an absolutely phenomenal week at West Ham United, we go and beat Tottenham. Bitter rivals, Tottenham Hotspur, 1-0 at home. Certainly not one uh, to remember as far as epic football matches go. It struck me, Jonesy, I don't know about you, very much reminiscent of that game at Upton Park where we lost 1-0 to Tottenham and Eric Dyer scored right at the death. An equally sunny day. Uh, I don't know. Someone might correct me and tell me it was actually the summer. But it felt like uh, a cold, sunny day in the middle of winter. Um, and it was right at the end, wasn't it? For, uh, Eric Dyer somehow burst through on goal. I'd barely heard of him at the time anyway. He rounds the goalkeeper and rolls it in at that away end Upton Park in front of the raucous Tottenham fans uh, who were delighted at the time. And that was another dead game that's just won by the odd goal. We had a feeling... The same thing was going to happen. I honestly did think in my heart that it was going to go to Spurs. But the game played out exactly as I thought it was going to, really. It wasn't it wasn't a great spectacle, was it? I think everyone, it was quite a tactical, cagey, chess game sort of match. Both teams cancelling each other out, really. There's been a lot of criticism for, for Nuno since. And right, Tottenham didn't have loads of chances, but I don't really think... We had any huge ones either, really. Uh, what did you What did you make of of the whole thing? Yeah, I think I think you're right. That that game actually was the opening day of the season that year, so it was the summer. The diagram. It was the summer. There you go. I knew it was yeah. sunny. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it wasn't the best game. A couple of mates messed me and went, you know, like parking the bus and all that. It's like, well, no, it's just you know, it's it's how we've got to where we are now is that we prefer allowing other teams to have the ball mm. um, and we plan a counter-attack. That's our style. That's what we do. Um, that's how like that's how Leicester won the league. They obviously yeah. did a little bit better than we did, but that's exactly how Leicester won the league and you know, no one was questioning them. Um, well, we had 37% possession, mate. Yeah. yeah but, 63, but we had 13 shots to their seven and we both teams had four on target. 
Well, exactly, and I think you know I don't think they had a shot on goal in the in all of the second half. You know, they had, a, they had more of the ball, but you know we we were just so tight, so organised. Caught them on a break a few times, um, and obviously got the goal. But what what I was thinking though, because I think we I even predicted with my betway bet that be over two and a half goals. It was normally goals in the, in this fixture, uh, barring the odd one. Um, and it's normally borne out the fact that, you know, it's always an open game because, you know, we've, all, we've more often than not been poor defensively. Spurs mm. have always had the better attack and that's why there's always goals in that game. Um, but it just shows how how far we've come in, in under David Moyes that actually it was a cagey, out, um, um, cagey game because we're a lot better defensively. You know, we can keep them at bay a little bit better. Um, and we're a lot better going forward. So we were almost catching each other out, and that's what made it a bit of a poor poor game. And that shows how far we've come, um, I think, that it was more of a cagey game rather than a, a more open game with loads of goals. But yeah, it was great to get great for Antonio to get the win. He always scores. And um, just, yeah, as we've already said, like, just great watching Harry Kane be rubbish as well. So um, <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I thought, I don't think it was as bad as people have said, but it wasn't wasn't the best game of football we'll see all, all season. No, no, I, I, and like you say, I think I think it shows the amount of respect Tottenham had for us was yeah. was quite a new thing, wasn't it? That was that was very much a team who had come uh, to play in a way to prevent us from playing our game, which you know, especially mm-hmm. against teams like Tottenham or the the team Tottenham have been and have are still trying to be. Uh, in you know previous seasons and stuff, they would have come and imposed their game on us. That's likely what we'll see from Manchester City on Wednesday, isn't it? If when whenever we play Chelsea, the same will be true. Um, and yeah, Tottenham turning up that wasn't a Tottenham team coming out and utilizing Harry Kane and Hyungmin Son and and Tango and Dombele and these so-called world-class players and and making us be scared of them it was it was definitely the other way around Nuno Espirito Santo the Tottenham boss what an uninspiring appointment that was and what an uninspiring bloke he really is it seemed quite good at Wolves but even towards the end you know his interviews don't help and the the football's just stale and cardboard isn't it and that is that's sort of how I describe Tottenham at the moment a bit of a a stale cardboard team who who aren't really? I just don't know what their identity is, really, or what they're trying. What they're trying to do there, uh, you know. Obviously, they when they got rid of Poch, it sort of lurched into the Jose Mourinho thing. Was it was a complete sort of change in what they were trying to do under Pochettino, certainly style wise and and personality wise a little bit as well. And then you've got Nuno in there. I, I couldn't beforehand, I couldn't tell, I couldn't have told you what Tottenham style was under Nuno. I certainly can't after watching him at the weekend. Um, yeah, I just, I'm not really too fussed by it, but it doesn't really seem a team or a club there with a, a clear vision of, of what they are and or who they are and what they want to be other than a, than a successful commercial entity. And, and we've sort of covered that a million one times on this podcast, that that's not why uh, football fans go to watch their team. But Nuno did say after the game, Jonesy, that he thought Tottenham were the better team. I disagree with him wholeheartedly. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't say West Ham were particularly the better team either. Um, uh, so we've come, I think it was both teams sort of cancelling each other out. And we happened to nick the odd goal, which was a bit of a fluke. Michael Antonio admitted after the game, 
that his role at that corner was to block Harry Kane to prevent him uh, attacking the ball and therefore successfully marking our actual aerial threats, who are obviously Zuma, Bonner, and Suchek. Um, what do you, what, what did you make of those comments? Baffling, if I'm all, if I'm honest, you, you can't say your team was the better team when your team didn't have a single shot on goal in the second half. Um, okay, in the first half, they probably had, you know, I think both had some very good chances. You know, Fabianski pulled off a couple of good saves. Fournals had that scissor kick, didn't he, quite early on, which was saved by Lloris. Um, Suchek had that header. So I think the, the, the first half was pretty even in terms of chances. Um, you know, they, Tottenham were the better team when it came to having possession, but possession doesn't win your football matches, does it? Goals do. And, you know, if, you, if you're 1 0 down with 15 minutes to go, and you still haven't managed to have a shot on target. Um, that doesn't really scream best team on the day, does it, really? So, um, I don't know. I mean, as you said, very uninspiring appointment for them, um, which I think is absolutely hilarious. And, um, yeah, it's just, I think, I don't know whether he was just like, I need to say something to try and mask the fact that we weren't very good. Um, and we didn't deserve to win. So just by saying we were the better team, but we didn't win, kind of almost his attempt at trying to mask the fact that they Well, deserved. that's what I was going to ask you. Why do you think he did it? Do you think he's done that to try and deflect from his players? Because I don't really think any of his players were overly bad. I don't think they warranted any particular criticism other than Harry Kane. Um, but that's obviously a, that's a bigger a bigger issue, is it? It just seemed... I, I don't know, really. It just seemed like an odd analysis of the game because it doesn't really, well, unless it plays into the hands of the fans a bit, unless he's just there's some it, top, deluded Tottenham fans out there that think that just want to hear that. Oh, we were a better team. I've obviously seen some ridiculous, uh, um, like people who are just desperate for for YouTube views or whatever, doing the the standard screaming into a camera after the game, saying how wet spam, how rubbish we were. And uh, yeah, that obviously wasn't true. Anyone with two eyes in their head could tell that 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 was two managers, if you ask me, that just wanted a draw, that were happy with a point. Um, it just so happened we nicked it for for an ugly goal. But I I just can't understand where he would come from with that because it doesn't really please anyone. Even like neutrals would look at that and go, "What are you talking about? It was two yeah. teams cancelling each other out." Well, looking through the the, the forum, the, the Tottenham forums this morning. Um, it's quite clear that Spurs fans haven't bought into. Oh yeah, we would, Nuno says we're the better team, so we must have been. You know, they they've seen straight through him already, um, oh, right. and and um, they, to put it bluntly, they they're looking forward to him not being Tottenham manager sooner rather than later. I think already again, um, just like they again, were with Jose. Yeah. yeah, just like they were with Jose. Yeah, they're, they're not happy with the start of football. Um, I got the feeling on the day. Um, and it, again, this could be his uh, reason why he said it to mask this, but I get the feeling that a lot of those Spurs players aren't playing for him. Um, I Do mean, you reckon? Seems quite... I, I, I thought that. I, if that goes, Mate, this, if that I mean, game I mean, goes the have, other way, that it's a Harry, different Harry Kane definitely isn't. Harry Kane yeah, definitely, definitely isn't because he wants to leave. Yeah. He's been wanting to leave all, you know, for months. Um, but yeah, I mean, they weren't. They weren't the Tottenham that we we were kind of half expecting to rock up. No, but they. I'll be honest, mate. That was the exact Tottenham I thought were going to turn up. Well, I mean, 
over the years, Tottenham fans will say the West Ham actually cup final. Now West Ham always turn up in this game. Well, the fact is that yeah, we do, but Tottenham always turn up in that game as well. Mm. You know, they they always up their game um, against us. Uh, perhaps not so much last season. Maybe the first twenty minutes of, of uh, the three all they turned up. Um, they didn't really turn up at the stadium, but normally, you know, they're they're very good against us nine times out of ten. Mm. Um, even when they're going through a bit of a rough patch. So, but the, on Sunday they weren't. On Sunday they weren't. They were, you know. Ab, you know I don't honestly just, think they. I just think, I think it's harsh to say that. I, I, I think, I, I just think I. They worked hard. I thought. I thought their players, Oliver Skip. I thought. I think it was just two teams putting a lot of effort into that game. But with nothing spectacular, no one. Declan Rice was playing very deep. Both teams weren't committing enough, like loads of players forward or enough players forward to to want to win, like where to make it clear they wanted to win the game. It seemed very, very much to me like, well, we're both at right of a point here. We're not. Neither team wanted to roll the dice, and it seemed. And you know what I mean. Our goal didn't come from us rolling the dice, did it? It just come from a, a corner from Cresswell that was probably meant to go much further than it actually did. And <laughs> Antonio like had his eyes shut, it hits him on the leg and goes in. Um, I, I, and I, I honestly think both teams worked really hard to make the game as stale as it was, if that makes sense. I, I think there was some good football played by both teams. A lot of the, There wasn't too many mistakes or anything. Everyone was playing quite a rigid style of football um, and also quite a conservative one, which just meant that there was always more West Ham fans, uh, sorry, more West Ham defenders and midfielders in our own half than there were Tottenham attackers and vice versa, because neither team wanted to have their midfield players really push on and support. It was just like, look, if the attackers can do something, brilliant, fine, great. Um, but if they can't, that's all right. We're going to stop their attackers doing anything. That's our priority. I see where you're coming from. I just feel like, you know, with, you, know you can't deny the fact that they've got some quality players, but especially in attack, like Son is world class. Mm. Um, I thought Mora was, was pretty good on the day as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought, he, he, if anything, he was the one that really looked like he could hurt us. Mm. Um, but when you've got talent like that on the pitch and they're, they're still struggling to create anything, you wonder what's going on. Like what? I mean, yeah, okay. They they they're not really willing Mate, we to. We defended well, though. That's what I. I just it, think it was two really good defensive performances. But yeah, it could be that. It could be that. It just it just seemed like um, that we weren't seeing, um, which is great, by the way. But we weren't seeing um, a Tottenham side that you know could quite happily have scored one or two, you know two or three goals, and, and we defended really well, of course, but. Um, and that made me think, you know, what, what are they playing for him? I'm not, I'm not suggesting that they've down tools and you know they they want him gone. But are they buying into his style? I don't. I'm, I'm not so sure. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't imagine the likes of Son, particularly Kane, Mora, being too pleased with you know with the more sort of conservative defensive style of play that Nuno likes. You know, when you've got very quick, world class players. Going, that's counter attack. Um, that suits yeah, them, doesn't it? Suits them, but you know when they're more used to having, you know, being a little bit more front foot. You know, you, you wouldn't put it past those players. Kind of just thinking, you know, what, what what are we doing here? Like, what, why are we playing for this guy? 
Um, mm, so yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But maybe I'm way off the mark. But that's what it felt like. Um, I, I did expect a, a better Tottenham, Tottenham side on the day. I, but that doesn't take away, that... from, away from the fact that actually we did defend very, very well. Um, yeah. But Tottenham didn't, well, they weren't a better team on the day. Absolutely not. No, 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 so. no. I think both teams were as good as each other. And yeah. I think both managers had gone into it and trying to execute a defensive game plan. And then when two defensive teams are playing against each other, you get what we got, which was um, a bit of a vanilla beige game of football until, and it's one moment of, well, it's up to you what you call it, quality or luck <laughs> that, that separates the teams. And if it had gone the other way, it's a different conversation, and yeah, I, I don't think I don't think they would put it this way. I don't think they would have deserved the win any more or less than we did if they'd won it one nil. But I'm just obviously delighted that it didn't happen. Yeah, I agree. I think I think also it did play in, play into our hands a little bit. In the, and I've, you know we've said it before that because of our counter attacking style, you know we it suits us just to kind of just soak up the pressure. Let the other team have the ball, and then you know we can, you know, we'll either get some, we'll get a corner, get a nice little set piece, and he could go that way, um, mm. or count, catch them to the counter. Whereas if it was the other way around and Tottenham let us have the ball, I think we would have struggled a little bit more. Mm. Um, and you know that was a similar case against Everton. You know, Everton did allowed allowed us a lot of the ball, and we had to settle for a set piece then as well. Mm. Um, yeah, we, I know what you mean. We struggled then, so it kind of did play into our hands a little bit on the day. I think. Yeah, I don't. I just didn't find myself nervous at all at any point in the game. No. Which I thought um, was quite nice. But then I suppose Tottenham fans, you know, I also didn't think, oh, we're going to score any minute, and and then we did. So happy days. Look, Harry came with touch on there. There's no doubt in my mind. I always spoke to Paul last week. Um, great chat that was. And then you know, I think he was clinging on to the idea that that uh, you know, I don't know. Put it this way. A lot of, uh, I'm not saying it's denial, he's an absolutely brilliant bloke and he probably knows far more about it. I will just add, by the way, you know, he'll, he'll know people who know Harry or he'll definitely have met him himself a handful of times. He's very well in and well connected at Tottenham. Um, but he's very, he loves Harry Kane. And it seems like the, don't want to call it reality, but the, the version of events that the majority of football fans are seeing doesn't necessarily align with Paul's. Um, and it, it's been all season and that at the weekend, he, he doesn't want to be there, does he? I'm not saying it because it's Tottenham or anything like that. You can tell. And and that's, you know, that's, that's why you often see clubs just fold and let players go, even if their valuations aren't met or whatever, uh, because of the fear of, of them just not showing up. We did the same with Pyatt, didn't we? Fans always go, oh, just dig your heels in and hold on. It's just they're not, or it's just ignorance. That isn't it. That's not how football mm. works anymore. the The power is well and truly with the players. Um, and Harry Kane is not the same Harry Kane he has been for the past few seasons. This season, and certainly that's showing at the weekend. He didn't do anything, did he? And his general energy levels looked low. He wasn't sort of worrying or threatening at all, from my opinion. I think I, I saw him try one audacious like diagonal ball at one stage where he tried to spring him on the attack. Other than that, completely uninspiring. Yeah, he had that, that post header as well, didn't he? That Fabianski oh, yeah. so for point blank. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, 
it, it wasn't Harry Kane that we used to seeing against us. Um, you, you know when he's he's not that bothered when he doesn't drop deep to get the ball. Mm. He very rarely drops into midfield to get the ball, and um, which showed showed me or showed everyone else that he clearly wasn't that bothered whether he got the ball or not. Normally, when he drops <laughs> deep, normally when he drops deep because he wants to get on the ball. He wants to try and make something happen, um, and he's very very good at that. He does it for England very well, um, and has done it for Spurs previously very very well. But he just didn't didn't, didn't really look too bothered either way whether he got the ball or not. No, um, yeah. Yeah, they, they should sell him in, in January. Yeah. Let him go to City. Let him go. Let him win some trophies. Yeah. It's, it's, um, just, it's just a little bit sad now, isn't it? It's just, or not even just that. It's just like uncomfortable, isn't it? You just yeah. think you're just, all that's happening there is his legacy and reputation, or not reputation, but his legacy is just getting tarnished now, isn't it? Mm. And really, yeah, and, and I do understand people say, why should you let him go at lower than his value? And that's fair enough. That's fair enough, right? And I understand that. If you're talking about a car, I think I used this analogy on last week's podcast. It's different. Selling a car for four grand when you think it's worth six is different because if someone offers you four and you want six for it and you say no, your car's not going to turn around and go, well, I'm not going to drive as fast now then because you didn't sell me for that amount of money. (laughs) It's not going to do that, is it? But because it's a human commodity and a football player, that is what happens. It's like, oh, he's worth 150 million. All right, we don't think he is. We've got 130 million here or whatever it was that Man City were offering. So, uh, no, we don't think it's worth that. Well, it's not as simple as that, is it? Because this is the bit that gets forgotten about during those negotiations. Why uh, Just take the 130, say thanks so much for literally everything you've done at the club. You're a legend. You always will be. Um, the, for the difference of 20 or 30 million quid, I know it's a lot of money, but if the, I don't know what you think, James. Surely his value's dropped now, or is it one of those where it's like, no, nah, we know he's still a good player in there? He's, he's, yeah, I still think he'll go for over 100 million quid. Um, but yeah, 30, but right, but when you say that 30 million quid isn't actually a lot of money when you're talking 120 yeah, or 150 exactly. million, you think of it as a percentage, it's not low, it's, is like, it? it's not a great deal of money. Um, but yeah, I still think he'll go. Um, in but January. right, okay, put it this way, mate. Right, so if he goes in January for say 120 million, right, that means effectively that um, it's cost uh, you know, like Tottenham with that, that 30 million pound difference or whatever. If he goes for because surely Manchester City aren't going to offer the same money, are they? Are they going to offer 130 million in January? Do you think? Doubt it. No, he's so... only got two Premier League goals to his name. No, well, that's that, that's precisely what I'm saying. So all Tottenham have done, all the kicking and screaming and digging their heels in, even if they end up accepting 120 million um, like now, like whatever money Man City's offer reduces by, that's basically what Tottenham have paid, isn't it, for two Premier League goals or whatever he might have by. It's just not worth it. I just think it was so obvious from the outset. And I know people say, oh, Daniel Lee's such a good negotiator. It's like, yeah, but that comes with consequences as well. And this is exactly what we're seeing now. Mm. It comes with a completely disillusioned player who just, he just doesn't want to be there anymore, <laughs> does he? And I do understand why when people go, oh, you shouldn't just take anything for him. It was hardly anything, 120 quid, a lot of money. And yeah, that is a, a player who does not want to be at that football club anymore. Josie, while we're talking about ineffective uh, centre forwards, I couldn't believe what I was watching with Mikel Antonio. 
on the weekend. Other than the goal, he did absolutely nothing. I was screaming the whole game. And apologies for those sitting around me because at a couple of stages, it did get to that stage where I was virtually screaming for a ball over the top. He didn't offer anything in behind the whole afternoon. And that was what the game was crying out for. Because it was so compact, Tottenham were defending so well, they were pushing up and man-to-man marking us and doing it quite well, to be fair, weren't they? They were tight on all of our players, not giving us any time on the ball, which was obviously their strategy. Um, And it was just screaming loads of times. The ball would come into Cresswell. He'd be shut down fairly quickly. And it was screaming for, right, just whack it over the top because Tottenham were defending high and stretch them. But that never, ever happened, which just enabled Tottenham to make the pitch smaller all the time, which was obviously their their tactic, like I said. And we kept on playing into their hands. We're just knocking it into the middle where loads of their players were. But I honestly, I don't necessarily blame Cresswell or anything. I, I just think it was because, or any of the players, the, the deeper players who picked up the ball, it's because it was never on. He was mm-hmm. He was so immobile the whole game. And I know Moyes said he wasn't injured on Thursday and they needed to give him a rest. But I find that a bit hard to believe because I thought he was oh, the goal, even that. I just thought he was, I thought he was really poor, or just not even poor, just immobile, not offering what he normally does. He was just really out of sorts. I completely agree. I said, I said it during the game as well that I think we're we're, we're now in a in a stage with Antonio where I think he's probably on his longest run without being injured. Um, if you include oh, seriously though, if you include maybe like what the last three or four games of last season as well, he's not been injured. Um, it came out a couple of weeks ago that one of our physios has been given license to travel with him with Jamaica and international breaks just to keep an eye on him. Um, one of the medical staff, um, and that's come out when he's been given a given a break against Genk, and then he barely runs against Spurs. Okay, he got the goal. Just makes you wonder whether something has happened where he has had maybe a little niggle, um, and they're just managing it as best they can. And and that was that was what that was the instructions. It was right. You're going to play the ninety but minutes. Just stand up there, but just stand up there. Don't make any runs in behind. Don't overexert yourself. Just be mindful that you know West Ham season hangs is hanging On off you. your hamstring at the moment. Yeah. So okay, um, keep it intact. Okay. Answer me this then. Why the hell did he play 90 minutes? That's fine. Well, but you yeah. can take him off after 75. When the goal goes in, take him off. Put put Jared Bowen up front and whack uh, Vlasic out on the wing. Or yeah. I know he brought Lanzini on. But Vlasic is pretty mobile. He'll do, some, he'll do the running, won't he? Yeah. The fact that when he, when he held Bowen's board up and Antonio was still on, he was literally on his haunches by that stage, down on all fours. I was apoplectic i was like what is going on here like i can't be the only one in this flipping stadium who can see that that man has offered hardly anything all game other than the, the goal even then he just stuck his leg out him and went in and he's he's keeping him on i i i was hoping for answers for you mate to be honest that you'd had a bit of insight or you knew what was going on Unfortunately, if you're just equally mate. as baffled then i'm still frustrated it was baffling. I don't think anyone really knows. Um, that was my guess: is that perhaps he has got he is he is carrying a little bit of an injury, so it was deliberate that he didn't run about. But you do make a good point. You know, if that was the case, then he still shouldn't have played the ninety minutes, mm. um, and he should have come off after the goal. Um, yeah, I don't really know. I don't. I don't know. Maybe it was just oh, an off day for lot. him. 
It was just maybe maybe it was an off day for him. Maybe just he was just a bit tired. I don't know, but he's had a week off, so mm. he can't be tired. He did um, still score, to be fair, didn't he? So yeah, it would be unfair to criticise him, but he was he was ineffective other than a goal. Um, but yeah, like we yeah. won, he scored the winner. Right. Yeah, we'll let, we'll let him off then. We'll let him off. Um, Declan Rice, Jonesy, uh, Jack Rosser at the Evening Standard, friend of the podcast, summed this up brilliantly uh, at the weekend when he tweeted. I know it's sort of unfashionable to tweet about how good Declan Rice is, but once again, he was absolutely outstanding. He really was at the week. He was just like world-class performance, wasn't it? He just doesn't seem to put a foot wrong. His angles are always perfect. He always makes it awkward for the player on the ball, whether he's hounding them and right up in their face. He picks his time. He picks his times right all the time. It's just, I don't know. He, he was just absolutely peerless at the weekend. I thought once again, I thought head and shoulders, the best player on the pitch. Um, and again, in a, in a game like that, like I was saying, I think it's often a lot of that like grinding out work that's unseen and, and sort of not celebrated as much as an outstanding striker's performance would be. I just, I was just so impressed and, you know, just something else is so brilliant seeing him play for our club. Definitely one of the best games I've seen him play. I thought he was outstanding. One thing I noticed as well, which um, we already knew he was good at, but he's so good in the tackle. Like he, he always yeah. gets a foot in, even if he doesn't win the ball, he always disrupts possession. Yeah. Yeah. He'll, 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 he'll get a toe on it. Um, and he, you know, he'll put, put the, the, the player in possession off balance a little bit, which buys a little bit more time for other players to come back in. Um, yeah, he was just class, as you said, just perfect in, in every way. He was, he was everywhere. Um, read the game very, very well, but we know, we know this, we see him do it week in, week out. Um, and the more he does it, the more it's going to become clear that, you know, it's not going to be long before we have to sort of wish him good luck and, and sort of see him leave. Um, but no, don't say things like that. This is just such defeatist attitude. Don't no, do but, it. I mean, James, what's the point no, of football? Don't get, don't know. We can yeah, but, build dry, drag West Ham up to the team we all want to see. No, but don't this, speak. There's no, there's no point. There's no point in in kind of lying to yourself and going, oh no, but you can stay at West Ham forever because he's he's not he's not going to stay at West Ham forever. The only way if he we stays, win the Europa League this year and we only, finish fourth, he stays. The, the only way he stays beyond this season is if we finish in the top four, or, or we win, win the Europa, Europa League, or both, right. or both, and we end up you know basically being the greatest club in world football. Yes. Um, if that happens, then he stays because he plays for well, us. There we go. <laughs> Nothing else right? to add. But if if that doesn't happen, which is probably more likely than than oh, winning, so the, defeatist. Know, uh, it's not. I'm just. I'm just. Re- it's realism. It's realism. <laughs> nah, right? no, that's the sort of stuff um, I used to wheel out when I was moaning and being negative. <laughs> and I just, I just think that you know we, we've got to enjoy him probably more so than ever because he's getting better with every week. He's probably like that. As I said, that was probably one of the best performances I've ever seen him play. Um, we have to just kind of go. Okay, like we're probably coming no. potentially coming towards the end. So let's just enjoy him while we can. And you know, if he's going to play like that, oh, week, leave I'm it gonna, out. I'm going to love. It I'm gonna love I'm a realist. Obviously, I don't want it to happen, mate. I love the man. I absolutely love yeah, the man. But no, but you and can't say that because stay... you never properly enjoy him then, do you? Well, if I you're already resigned to, there's always an asterisk. And you go, oh, well, I... that, that's so dour, isn't it? Oh, I was, oh enjoy I him always... while he can. 
Sure. Well, I mean, I was I was drooling over him on Sunday, so I'd certainly enjoyed him then. Um, I'm talking about his performance, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like it did look pretty sick actually when he took his top off at the end and was giving it to the fans. Yeah. He loves it there, doesn't he? For God's sake. Yeah, yeah. He's I love I love him to pieces, but um, just another great great performance from him, um, which is unsurprising to be honest. And um, yeah, I don't, there's not many more words you can say about how good he is. I think. No, absolutely not, mate. Absolutely not. Well, look, you've touched on Lucas Fabianski. made a couple of good saves already. Been really impressed with him the past couple of weeks. Uh, one thing, a couple of... Um, actually, the last big positive, Kurt Zuma and Angelo Bon. I thought Aaron Cresswell was absolutely blinding. Again, uh, you know, he's been outstanding this season and last, and it's been so good, the, the sort of new lease of life he's had. He's far more cultured, technical footballer now, I think. Now he's, you know, he hasn't got that a blistering pace that he had when he first came to West Ham, which perhaps he was he was leaning on a little bit too much because after the injury and he lost that a bit, there was there was a significant period of time where I think quite a few fans thought it was uh, his time was coming to an end at the club. But he's playing the best football of his career and it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, Aaron Cresswell, Kurt Zuma, and Angelo Bonner, but imperious at the back again. The pair of them and, and hats off to Ben Johnson. I've seen some takes on Twitter saying that Vladimir Sufal doesn't get back in the team. Disagree. I think Kufal offers a lot more going forward. His general engine, uh, I think he's a lot fitter uh, than Johnson. But uh, massive hats off uh, to Johnson. I thought he performed admirably. Sort of met every, certainly, defensive challenge that he was posed with. And, you know, the, the, if he can keep improving at the rate he clearly is, then then I hope he's a, a big part of West Ham's future for the for the next few seasons, Jonesy. Yeah, I said it last week, didn't I, that he played, played well against Everton, he had a good game against Everton. and it's, it's good to know that you've got a player like him that can come in as and when Soufal either needs a rest or is injured or, or whatever. Um, he's not going to... Like, Soufal will, will straight back into that team, 100%. As he should as well. As he Absolutely, should, as, as he should. About uh, that, yeah. You know, I think... I, I wonder whether... You know, see Johnson isn't as good going forward. Maybe he might shade it a little bit defensively over Soufal, but you know, Soufal's you know, he's ah. is potentially potentially, but Soufal walks straight back in there purely because of you know, just purely because of the way he gets forward a little bit more, and he and he will he, he will run up and down that that side, like and because he's uh, better. That's the phrase you're better, looking for. Yeah, but <laughs> he, he will run up and down that that hmm. right hand side for forever. He just won't stop until he gets told to. Um, no. Whereas Ben Johnson needs to get sometimes needs to be, mate, you've got to run now, run. So yeah. that's why, and a it. bit of energy con- conservation yeah. as well. He did look quite tired towards the end. Yeah, but I think it's it's, it's good to have a backup like that, and you know, bonus that he's an academy player as well. But um, yeah, nice little backup to have. Yeah, hats off to him. Look, Jonesy, we'll end on uh, on a couple of little uh, negative bits as far as Tottenham goes. There now, there was suggestion Pablo Fornells went down. In the second half, uh, there was suggestion that uh, Romero, I think it was, yeah, it was um, Christian Romero for Tottenham. They're centre-back, the number four. He leant over Fornells when he was on the ground. Uh, and Fornells, normally pretty mild-mannered, um, got up off the ground pretty quickly. It looked to me where I was sitting like he'd said something offensive to him. They both speak the same language, both native Spanish speakers, of course. Um and 
he sprang up and sort of got in his face. It was a little bit of a melee. Uh, the Sky Pundits afterwards suggested that was to, to Mikel Antonio, that that was what sparked the crowd into action and sparked the players into action. Sure, I quite agree with that. Yeah, I know. It's just people just say things just for the sake of it, don't they? I know they've got airtime to fill, but it's like just say things that are actually realistic and that happened because no one's impressed. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, Fornell sprang back up, a little bit of a melee over on the touchline. Uh, some pictures come up on, on Twitter afterwards that appeared to show Romero being uh, spitting at Pablo Fornells when he was on the ground. Now, no major news outlets have have covered the story or the pictures, which suggests, and it's usually a pretty like easy way of telling whether something's legit or not, uh, a lot of reaction to Twitter, and it did spread quite a little bit. Um, Jonesy, again, just be careful to say here that just images not from any legitimate sources, really, that we've seen, but we have seen them on on Twitter it's a tough one really obviously there's no need to say that if he did it's disgusting but I feel like it would be a news story by now the FA would be looking into it if there was any legitimacy in it Uh, I don't know what can you add any more to that or have you heard or seen anything else well we'd have had a statement by now from the FA and the clubs involved Um, I mean the, the image does look as if that has happened but I saw quite rightly someone tweeting go it's funny how the image shows it, but actually when you watch the video, you watch the clip back, you don't see anything at all. So it does make mm. you wonder whether... VAR would have surely caught that as Yeah, well. exactly, yeah. So, I mean, I don't think there's anything in it. And, like, yeah, he's obviously... He's lent over and he said something to him. Right? Mm. And, I mean, I, I, I don't know how anyone could say anything bad to four nails to his face, let alone be on his back. I and mean, we're talking about the nicest guy in world football here. I mean, mm. what a lovely smile. Um, so you can't you can't I mean I don't know what you said he must have said something quite bad but uh, do you know any Spanish swear words um, I don't know Um, I don't know two actually but I'm not going to say them yeah yeah two Spanish they're quite both quite bad actually as well so maybe maybe you said those two words maybe maybe. if he did I'd have sprung up and shouted at him as well to be fair yeah Yeah. I mean it must have been bad because four now being angry isn't isn't something that we see very often. So, no. Um, yeah, but I don't think there was any spitting involved. Um, no. Thankfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely, mate. And another thing, uh, some video footage surfacing from after the uh, where a little bit of a confrontation between the two sets of fans. I think the footage I saw came from the Tottenham side. It appeared to be, I don't know if it was fans waiting to get out. I, I'm not sure if they were hemmed in after the game. Or not, um, but there was some some shouting and some throwing of pints through a fire exit door. One of those classic gesturing things of like people want to be seen to be wanting to fight, um, and then look really nervous when there's actually an opportunity to fight there, and they don't want to take it. Very much like standing behind a steward, going "Hold me yeah. back, hold me well, back," like, d- dancing in front of them a little bit. But yeah, 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 yeah. just yeah. sort of bobbing up and down, saying things like "Come on." Um, but yeah, then when the doors were clearly open and there was easy access to the other group, not that I'm encouraging that, of course. I'd much rather see lots of bobbing around and pretending to want to fight people rather than actually fighting people. Um, but yeah, it's sort of like, ugly, so ugly scenes, I suppose. But um, yeah, just sort of pro- probably a bit much ado about nothing, really. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mates earlier, and oh, I can't believe those stewards opened that door to let the West Ham fans onto the Tottenham fans. I was like, well, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, um, like the <laughs> stewards aren't just going to exactly. go. Like it's just like letting the dogs off a leash, sort of things. Like yeah, what are you yeah, talking yeah. about, mate. Like, no, that didn't. Just happen. go through there, lads. It's, it's a quick yeah, way out. If yeah, you want. Cool. yeah. Oh, by the way, there's a lot of Tottenham fans. You can try and punch them if you want on the way through. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I know like, you won't, but <laughs> yeah, it's just oh, yeah, it's a bit bit weird behaviour. Oh, I've always <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just, <laughs> just like, like lads like. Maybe like have a little laugh and like have a bit of banter and go, ah, you lost or something like that. I don't know. I mean, mm. like whatever. But like getting visibly angry at just other people that don't support the same team as you, <laughs> um, I just find very, very weird behaviour. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even like the the pints throwing bits, like not ideal, but it's like semi funny. It's a plastic cup full of liquid. It's a little it's... bit like funny and harmless, but. It's funny, but like, mate, mate, you just spent six pound fifty on that. What are you doing chucking it? Big like, time, you be, mate. Yeah. Oh, like six pound fifty, I save every single drop. It's awful beer. But you wouldn't, I've spent you wouldn't throw that in cash, would you? Absolutely not. I'm drinking every single drop of that. <laughs> Even if it does taste warm and horrible. But you know, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It annoys me when people chuck beers. It's like that's a lot of money. What <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Well, I think I'm not certain, Josie, but I believe uh, two Tottenham fans were arrested uh, off of the back of an incident at the game. Um, yeah, sort of not not great footage um, to see, really. But uh, ultimately, certainly not uh, something that we should let or that anyone should let overshadow what was another fantastic afternoon for West Ham United in what is a fantastic time to support Man United. Uh, 1-0 against Tottenham, fourth in the Premier League. Uh, Josie, I was just in the middle of a nice little outro there, but I will just say it felt quite nice. And obviously I look for the Tottenham game first at the, in the when the fixtures come out at the beginning of every season. But it did feel quite nice for a change for that not to be like season defining. I don't, I, I don't mean the result. I think the fact we got the points is good. But it wasn't like, oh, if we don't win this, this is the main thing I've got to be excited about this season, whether we beat Tottenham at home or away. We've got bigger fish to fry these days. And that was such a nice feeling. Obviously, I'm delighted we won. I'm delighted that it was Tottenham. And I'm delighted for the three points. But the three points just felt like they could mean so much more this year. Uh, and it's it's nice to think that at the end of the year, so many seasons, you look back and you go, right, what's the best thing that happened? So oh, we beat Tottenham at home. So oh, where'd you come at the end of the year? 14th. Did you go out in mm. the FA Cup? Yeah, to Oxford in the third round. Mm. So oh, what about the League Cup? Yeah, lost to Lincoln or whoever it is. Yeah. And the most exciting thing is is having beaten Tottenham. Well, that is not going to be. That's not doesn't feel like the case anymore. And that was such a a unique, new, and and quite nice feeling, actually. I completely agree. Um, yes, yeah, it just shows how far we've come. Like, I know we keep mm. saying it, but like, the the change under David Moyes is just yeah it means that beating Tottenham isn't really like the highlight of the season anymore. Obviously, playing them is. You, know, you want to play them as a London derby, biggest mm. rivals, but you know beating them. It's like, yeah, great. Like we've got the three points. Happy days. We move on. Um, I think they're, they're massively important three points because we're going to be battling with them mm. in the top half of the table. You know, potentially for a top six spots. So, yeah, yeah, happy days. I make you right. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Well, let's stay with us. A little bit of Genk reaction next, but that is proof. If 
at all you needed it that wet spam are massive. Genk game, Jonesy, leading up to it, we sort of said, like we did the week before, the last time we had a double double header with the European week, you know, if you had to choose, which one would you take to win? Uh, this weekend, I actually did say um, that I'd, I'd rather win the Tottenham game, but happy days. We won We won both. Um, just massive respect, by the way, uh, to whoever it was on Twitter. You put out the uh, a tweet with, uh, I think it was the Opposition View, tweet Josie with Paul Coit the video last week that went out and said can West Ham make it three wins in a week against Tottenham on Sunday <laughs> having beaten Genk and I can't remember exactly who it was but I just want to give some massive respect to the person who replied and said that I don't want to be pendantic uh, but it's actually three games in eight days so you can't really call it a week uh, first of all, <laughs> phenomenal form um, from whoever that was calling James Jones out uh, on a little bit of a, an oversight there, first of all. So massive tip from me on that. Um, but <laughs> calling someone, um, the, being pedantic by calling someone out on, on something like that because it was a, w- uh, a week and two hours and then spelling pedantic wrong uh, was absolute comedy gold. <laughs> For me this week, so that was a proper double whammy, laughter-wise. Uh, so just hats off to that guy. You know, Jonesy, sort of uh, anything to say back? Anything in response? Do you want to hit back at, at, at your online critics? Nah, I mean, yeah, I read it before you sent it to me in, in WhatsApp. I, I saw it and I was debating whether to reply and just go, mate, well, like, <laughs> I was like, stunned that you didn't. I was like, I really, really want to reply, reply but I thought no, because we will, we will. God, no, don't, don't buy it, don't buy it. So I thought I'll leave it, I'll leave it, and then you sent it to me and was like, oh, why don't you reply to him? I was like, I should have done it, <laughs> but by, by then it was gone, by then it had gone. But yeah, it very pedantic, very, very pedantic. Was like, Mate, he was, to be fair, Ro- Robin Punter. It was so hats off to you, I mean, uh, he, Robin. Major correct. respect from me. He was correct. Yeah, yeah. He's so correct. perhaps we need to bring him on board, Josie, so he can start correcting more of your mistakes. It, it, yeah, I, when I read it, I was like, "Yeah, okay, fair enough." Like, I get it. Yeah, I understand how weeks work and how days work, but obviously mate, not, mate. Like the sun, the sun, Sunday against Everton, we kicked off at two o'clock, right? Sunday against Spurs, we kicked off at two o'clock. So it's ex- it's technically exactly a week later. Exactly a week <laughs> later. I know it's eight days. I get. I understand that bit. It's seven days, two hours. It's when exactly <laughs> a week later. Exactly a week later. So leave it out. Oh, shut up. No, it's, no it's, it's three wins in a week. Absolutely not. Major respect. Uh, so hats off to you, Robin. Don't listen to uh, Josie if you notice any more mistakes that uh, that he's made when putting videos out. Then, then feel free to call him out publicly. Oh, oh, so he's got something else to say. Go on, mate. Declan Rice tweeted after Spurs game: th- three wins in a week. I'm pretty sure he said it's in a week. I hope he's replied to Declan Rice and told him, <laughs> "Mate, have a word." Yeah, you don't, yeah. you don't understand weeks and days here. Deck. This is ridiculous, Declan. <laughs> Declan, you're making yourself look silly. Get yeah, out go of that club. Go, go back to school, Deck. <laughs> get back to Chelsea. Get rid of Sell him. Sell him. <laughs> At West Ham, sell him. <laughs> well, look, um, Jonesy, whether it was a week or not, uh, we did play Genk on the Thursday night at London Stadium. And once again, I, I know, I know we, we sort of felt quite blessed with the Europa League group we got. And that none of the teams, perhaps bar Dinamo Zagreb, 
did we think were were going to be overly worrying or overly scary. I think probably I'm still scarred, like most West Ham fans, by our experiences against Palermo and then Astrid Girigou um, in seasons past. Uh, but ultimately, we sort of just took it in our stride again, didn't really get out of third gear, and it was another perfectly pleasant evening watching West Ham at London Stadium and another repeat performance. The light show, once again, was absolutely banging. Not quite as good, I'd say. Bit, um, perhaps a bit more flimsy on the lasers this time, but uh, all in all, solid 8 out of 10 for the light show. Solid 8 out of 10 for West Ham's performances. Unbeaten in the Europa League. Still haven't conceded a goal. Top of uh, our group. Massive. Yeah, we've got transfer window coming up, so a smaller budget for that light show. Um, compared to the first one, so um, but yeah, it was quite impressive. Um, but yeah, the performance was was pretty. Yeah, it was just pretty routine. I think. I think having spoken to Tim Oliver at the Table Talks podcast the week before, kind of gave us a, a really interesting insight into where they are. Um, Genk. I don't think many people really mm. sort of really understood the situation they've got. It looks like they're having a good season. They're sixth in the league. Turns out, you know, they're, they're worried about you know whether the players have stopped playing for the manager and all sorts and. Um, it didn't seem that way. I thought, you know, they, I mean, we were by far the stronger team. Um, but, you know, they had one or two players in, in their team that looked pretty good. Um, I think it's their number seven. Look, the, uh, I think it's the right winger. Looks, yeah, looked the winger, paint. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, Paul, Paul on Arachu. Ju- Ju- yeah, Junior, Junior Ito, it was the winger. Yeah, yeah. he looked quite, quite nifty. Um, but I just saw like loads of West Ham fans after game. We should sign him. It's like, like, why? Yeah, it wasn't that good. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, what well, he's better than Bowen. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. What's going on there? Um, and Paul Onoachu, like, I knew he was a big guy, but oh my word, how big was he? Was yeah, huge. he was fairly tall, wasn't he? Massive. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was like, he's, you see those like FIFA glitches where like there was one player bigger than everyone else. Like, yeah, yeah. It was like that. It was like watching that in real life. It was great. Well, when you used to design your own players on PES when you were younger and you just yeah. make one who's like max height, max width. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> literally massive um but yeah like, I, th- I thought we were by far the better team um mm. so yeah to, to win it three nil could have been a lot more as well yeah nice nice routine yeah i think uh yeah the, obviously you said last week and i heard your chat with tim oliver which was absolutely brilliant um but you were saying that we'd been linked with that poor no at you uh yeah 2.01 meters tall he is uh i think west ham clips on the alternative commentary love here on the podcast, called him the two-meter Emil Heskey. Yeah, I'd, I'll be honest, after you said we were linked, I was like, well, I hope we're never, ever linked again because I didn't think he uh, he offered that much at all, quite frankly. But no, uh, West, go on. He, he didn't have his best game. Um, but, I mean, there's a reason why we're, we're not the only club linked with him. Um, mm. It's very difficult to go off 90 minutes in the flesh, but he didn't really, if that was an audition, Ahead of January, I don't think he would have passed that in front of David Moyes. Not getting the part, is he? No, nah. no, definitely not, mate. Definitely not. Well, look, goals uh, from Craig Dawson, Issa Diop and Jared Bowen. I took a, a very good friend of mine along with me to the game. He's a Leighton Orient season ticket holder. Um, West Ham are definitely not his favourite club. I did say it's the only chance he's going to get to watch European football in East London for about 100 years. So uh, <laughs> he decided to come along. For the journey, and he was giving me a bit of a ribbon after Dawson scored, and then Issa Diop said, oh, you lot, just like Stoke, you can only score from set pieces, and no creativity, can't put the ball in the net from open play against the, the 
bunch of Belgian whatever's, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then Jared Bowen steps up uh, just minutes after, or not, literally a minute after, Issa Diop made it 2-0 um, and with the weirdest scuffed finish I've ever seen in my life. It was a bit strange, actually, wasn't it? I know their goal got disallowed in the first half, which was fortunate. And it was brilliant to keep um, our record. As I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, James, but I believe we're now the only team in the Europa League this season not to concede a goal. I am wrong. Okay. Galatasaray as well, I think. No, there we go. All right. Well, that's good that, you know, when you say correct me if I'm wrong, normally people just don't say anything. You think, oh, I must have been right. It's a bit annoying, no. actually, when people do correct you if you're wrong. Yes. Sorry, mate, but I had to correct <laughs> yeah. you there. Yeah, yeah well, I'm glad you did, mate. So, uh, yeah, well, West Ham, do you know, actually, James, we're only one of two teams in the Europa League this season who have yet to concede a goal along with Galatasaray. Oh, no, I didn't know that. That's really good. <laughs> That's really, good, really isn't good it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really impressive, mate. Yeah, so it was good um, when that got disallowed. Uh, ultimately, it was one of those. I'm sort of glad Dawson scored when he did. I don't necessarily think we deserved it. Um, it was a bit of a stodgy game, uh, wasn't it, up until then? No, we had a lot of the ball and they weren't offering much either. But I didn't really think we were. Um, so when he scored, it sort of forced them to open up and then the whole sort of house of cards come crashing down for them, didn't it? Um, would you say, where do you think it sort of compared or how do you think it compared to the other European games we've had so far? It's difficult to, to really say because all three... All three of them have been pretty, pretty routine, effort, effortless victories. I suppose I mean that's, that's without showing any disrespect to the three teams we played. But I think Zagreb was probably our hardest test, and we came mm. through that with, with flying colours. The two home games have been a lot easier. Um, I think probably the Vienna game we probably should have scored more, would have expected to score more, but it doesn't really matter in the group stages, does it? Like, as long as you get the three points and you're, you're winning the games. Um, but yeah, it's difficult to really rank them because they've all been pretty, cu- all three very comfortable victories. Um, it's just yeah. great, great to be involved, isn't it? And like, just just to build on your incredible um, fact about West Ham and Galatasaray, um, I read that the, the the last team to go to go the first three Europa League games without conceding um, went on and won the competition, and that was Sevilla a couple of years back. And I thought that was really interesting. I thought, oh, maybe we got a chance. And then I realised that Sevilla just win it every year anyway. So of course they <laughs> yeah. probably would have done that at some point. Yeah, 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 um, exactly. <laughs> so it sounds really interesting. And then you can remember that you know it's like. Sevilla's it's like start. saying that about Man City with the Carabao exactly, Cup. Exactly, yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. you know, yeah, it's Sevilla's trophy that we're just all playing for at the moment. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. mate. Exactly. Yeah, well, look, it's absolutely um, brilliant. Top of uh, the Europa League Group H. We've got Genk up again next. Obviously, the, um, the fixtures go like ABC, CBA, don't they? So we play Zagreb first and last um, and Genk third and fourth. Jonesy, I, I mean, the other results really went our way, didn't we? We're top of Group H at the moment. Three games played, three wins, uh, zero goals conceded, seven scored, uh, nine points on the board. Dinamo Zagreb are in second, um, but they were beaten, surprisingly, by Rapid Vienna, uh, on that same night, 2-1 uh, to Rapid Vienna in Austria that game and done us a massive favour as far as, as qualification goes. Uh, do you think, 
obviously winning the group is the most important thing as far as the next stage of the competition goes. Um, but is, is it fair to say that that we're 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 as good as through now? Yeah, I think I think we're we're as good as out of the group. It's just kind of where where we where we finish. I think we need what I think three points will guarantee guarantee winning the group um, mm. because I think a lot of it comes down to head to head rather than goal difference as well. But I, I, right. goal difference shouldn't shouldn't count. But yeah, I mean we got seven. Um, the next best is yeah. a grab on zero. Yeah, yeah. So that shouldn't shouldn't really come to that. But um, three points will will win us the group, and I think a point guarantees top two. Um, so either way. You win your first three, you're almost guaranteed to get out of the group one way or another. So it's just now down to where we finish. And I think yeah, we should win the group from here. If we don't win the group from now, I'd be very surprised. Yeah, exactly, mate. Yeah, I'm absolutely delighted for that. I've managed to uh, sort myself out um, some tickets. I was doing all my travel this afternoon. So I'll be heading out to Genk, to Belgium next week for that uh, return leg, the return fixture against Genk, Genk away on Thursday the 4th. Of November, that is, West Ham tried to make it four wins from four in our maiden European competition. I mean, how exciting is it now that we could be facing, um, you know, knockout stage against either a Champions League dropout? You've seen some of the calibre of teams who can finish third in the Champions League and who've dropped into the competition in the past um, and still some tasty looking teams in the Europa League as well. So absolutely brilliant to make it three from three against Genk. Uh, just a, a, a stone's throw away, surely. Um, from winning the group and qualification for the next round. Fingers crossed we can wrap that up in Belgium, give us a bit of an opportunity to rest some players um, for those last two fixtures against first Rapid Vienna on the 25th of November and then Dinamo Zagreb, which I believe uh, is on the 12th of December, but I might be wrong, so don't hold me to that one. Great stuff indeed uh, for West Ham in the Premier League, the Europa League. Fingers crossed we can do it in the Carabao Cup again on Wednesday, but stay with us because we've got Betway Charity Bets Next. Support for the We Are West Ham podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the men's below the waist champions of the world. Manscaped offer precision engineered tools for your family jewels, and they just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, all across Europe. And to add to that, we've got our hands on the quality weed whacker, nose and ear hair trimmer. So we're well on our way towards looking as well-groomed as West Ham do under David Moyes. Clean, tidy and looking absolutely fantastic on the weekends. And Thursday nights. They say Thursday's the new Friday. So, um, no, and Thursday nights are looking pretty good as well, mate. And I've actually got my hands on the weed whacker right here. Can you see it? I can see it, mate. Yeah, see, yeah, yeah, it's a tidy yeah. little bit of kit, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good little bit of kit. I mean, if you're listening to this and not watching it, you can hear it. That's 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 the motor. <laughs> if that um, doesn't sell it, I don't know what will. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to sell it as best I can to people that are listening <laughs> rather than watching. But it's a great great bit of kit. It's um, it does exactly what it says in the tin. It does certainly whack your weeds. You know what it helps with as well, Jonesy. I've spent it's it's been a while, but the older I'm getting as well, and the old nose hairs are getting a little bit more out of hand. I've been plucking them, or once I tried a thing with uh, an old housemate of mine where I dipped cotton buds in wax, put them up my nose, and yanked them out. Oh, Not an no. experience I'd recommend. So having used the uh, the weed whacker last week, much more quicker, efficient, neat and tidy, and certainly more pain free. 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I haven't got round to trying my ears yet, but I don't think I'm old enough for ear hair yet. Sort of, no, sort of, not so, quite. I mean, I know we've already established in previous podcasts that I am getting on a little bit. I'm not quite as old enough yet to have ear hair, but I'm sure I'm sure that'll be coming pretty soon. Decent um, Christmas present for uh, dads and granddads, and hey, maybe some mums and grandmas. I'm I'm not one to judge. Well, yeah, oh, definitely. So, lads, we'd recommend joining 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, who we've teamed up with to bring you 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code WEARWESTAM. That's all one word, WEARWESTAM at manscaped.com. You wouldn't seek a goalkeeper up front if you were a manager, so why choose anything other than the right tools for the job when it comes to your grooming? Trust us, you won't regret it. A happy days at West Ham United. Uh, three wins in the space of one week and two hours, uh, as was kindly pointed out by Robin on Twitter, much to James Jones's chagrin. Um, unfortunately, we haven't had three wins in uh, one week and two hours on our Betway charity bets. James Jones, have we? No winners again against Spurs. It's sort of hard, those, those low-scoring games. Uh, aren't really ones that uh, that tend to get backed very well. Uh, 1-0, of course, to West Ham against Tottenham at London Stadium on Sunday. Mikel Antonio's goal. I think, Jonesy, you had Antonio. I had Declan Rice and Harry Kane to score. Neither man looked very likely, although Rice definitely more so than the lackadaisical uh, England man up front for Spurs. Just run us through what me, you and Reese had for our Betway charity bet selections for Tottenham. Yeah, so I I went for over two and a half. Both teams are scoring Antonio to score any time, so I got one out of three. Um, Reese had both teams to score, Suchek any time, and a penalty to be awarded, so nowhere near on that one. Hmm. You just said you had over two and a half, Declan Rice any time, Harry Kane any time. I mean, Harry Kane's probably still playing there now in an empty stadium and still struggling to score. Um, no, like not not likely at all. So yeah, a, a poor week all round for us on on the charity bets. Yeah, not great, was it? So just a reminder to anyone uh, listening at home or who's new to the podcast that each and every week, uh, Betway, who are our charity partners on the We Are Watch Down podcast, give us a £50 charity stake to place on a three-legged bet, um, a bet builder. Uh, to on the upcoming West Ham Premier League game, each and every Premier League game that West Ham play this season, me, James Jones, and the still absent Reese Bayliss uh, put those bets on, and any winnings from those go to the three uh, go to the charity uh, that me and James and Reese are playing for. I'm playing for the Bobby Moore Fund, James for DT38, Dylan Tombidi's Foundation. And Reese for Isla's fight and Betway have agreed to match any winnings we have at the end of the season. We're on about fifteen hundred quid so far, James, aren't we? I believe, including the the money that Betway are matching. We raised twelve and a half thousand last year, which was phenomenal. Um, and yeah, no winners this week, of course. But James, you did get a bit of a, a grilling, didn't you, from Chad from Betway? Um, in the week about the the sort of oh, I don't know what the word cowardly is probably a bit strong but wimpy suggestions that you made given and the low odds I mean these are just well I'm just reporting words mate don't shoot the messenger as they say well I I battled with myself leading up to placing the bet because I, I'm well aware that I haven't won a bet yet this season and mm. um, I thought right let me just get off the mark. So I went for saying a little bit more, a bit more straightforward. Um, 
so there was no surprise when the odds came in at three to one. Um, I tongue tongue in cheek had a pop at Chad in the WhatsApp group about the odds, so it could have boosted him or something like that, you know, make it look mm. a little bit better. But um, and he bit, and then it was just a pile on from there. <laughs> um, you you were loving every single minute of it. Yep. Um, and yeah, so I was, I was a bit like, well, hang on, every time you've done that, and you do it almost every week, play it safe. Like, no one said a word. I do it. I behave. I get the ribbon I do, I all do it the once. time. Like that was said a word when you begged him to to win your bet the other day, and he paid out. And it's like, oh, for charity. Uh, yeah. So I just thought, oh well, you know, I'm just going to take this on the chin and just prove everyone wrong, everyone wrong, like I did last season. So mm. yeah. <laughs> and then it was uh, three to one, and it still didn't come in. Still didn't come in. No. Nah. <laughs> Never mind. Well, look, looking ahead, Jonesy. Fortunately, with this. Uh, there is another game on the horizon, Manchester City uh, at home in the Carabao Cup, which we're not betting on because that's in the League Cup. It's only the Premier League that we do these bets for. So, of course, it is Aston Villa away on Sunday. That is the subject to our uh, next bets for this week. Just a reminder, as ever, by the way, if you like the sound of any of these, as I say, we've had three winners uh, come in already this season, or two winners and and one that was agonisingly close that I managed to get Chad to pay out on because it was for charity. Uh, that involved Mark Noble's late penalty miss against Man United. Um, Jonesy, just let us know what you and Reese have gone for, first of all, for this week, uh, Sunday's game at Aston Villa. Um, I've gone for... Wait. Well, I mean, I can let you know what I've done if you if that helps you, mate. Yeah, go for it, mate. Go for it. Yeah, well, I've gone for... I wanted to be a bit different this week. I'm trying to be a little bit more creative and a little bit more imaginative. I do not want to be on the end of Chad's wrath like you were last week. So uh, I've gone for <laughs> Pablo Fornells. <laughs> Pablo Fornells to score last. West Ham to win both halves and more than 7.5 corners. Uh, Aston Villa didn't put in much of a showing against Arsenal on Friday and I don't know the Villa friend of a Villa colleague of mine is not that enthused they're finding it hard to to gel with Leon Bailey and Danny Ings and uh, Ollie Watkins and all that up front um, so yeah I, I fancy us to win the winning both halves fancy that to be quite convincing and yeah fancy for now to get on the score sheet and to score last is a little bit different uh, I just James, as I've got to get mine up, uh, Chad's response to my bet earlier. Looking forward to James's. Um, <laughs> a football match to happen, a referee to be in charge, and there to be fans in the stadium. <laughs> was the bet that Chad thought you were going to face this week, such as your approach in recent times? Yeah, I'm happy about that at all. <laughs> That's, um, yeah, so, right. I've learned my lesson. So I've gone... West Ham to score two or more. I've got Jared Bowen any time because it's gonna it's just gonna come in at least right. once. Um, and Suchek to score a header. Mm, not so bad. I can't see that. I've upped it. I mean, if that's if if that's more than three three to one, I'd be happy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you <laughs> certainly hope so. I can already hear Chad though going. Well, look, James. If both of those things happen, the third one is consequential. So it's not actually really added much value. So I've, I don't know if you've learned your lesson from last week quite as much as you'd like to think that you have. But uh, can you let us know before you nibble on that one as well uh, what Reese Bayliss has gone for? 
Uh, Reese has gone for over two and a half goals. Penalty to be awarded more than nine point five corners. Which mm-hmm. why is why isn't Reese getting stick for for the for, for that bet? Um, yeah, I mean it's this has been quite quiet so far, isn't it? Uh, to be fair, I think that's quite a generic one. That strikes me as a, a the, the bet of a man who doesn't know how the game is going to go, don't you think? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I've, I've, I'm going to change my bet. I'm going to change it. I'm going to do West Ham to score three or more. That'll bump the odds up. At least four to one. West Ham so, to score three or more. Mate, or you more. can't do it. You can't change after you've laid it. What happens? Because it. then it's going to be, you know it's going to be 2-0 to West Ham, Bowen and Suchek header. Oh, yeah, but no. Right, you can't okay. do it now, West mate. You can't change it. Press that yeah. score two or more. Um, yeah, I mean, find out from Chad what the difference is in the odds. And uh, no, I'm not going to yeah, do that because but... then that will that will swing me a little bit. Okay, we'll stick with two. We'll stick with two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this, yeah, you can't do that, mate. And then if it didn't come in, it would just be an absolute I'd just nightmare. have to beg him like you begged him. Yeah, exactly that. Oh, come mate. on, exactly I, that. I, meant, I meant to do that, but I changed yeah, my mind, yeah. so I still oh, I deserve to. As well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> absolutely, mate. Well, look, um, as a just a reminder as well, uh, as I've said already, you can back those yourself uh, as you can every single week if you like the sound of those bets on the Betway website and app. You just go to the game in question this week, West Ham away at Aston Villa. Go onto pre-built bets uh, section and scroll down. You'll find the We Are West Ham podcast bets and they'll have my name, James's name and Reese Bayliss's name against them uh, if you want to back them for real. Doing all right at the moment, Jonesy. I, I fancy uh, we need to get a big one in soon to rack that tally up like we had last year. I think we maybe owed a guest one as well. We need to get a guest one on Ribman come on last year and put a thousand pound uh, in the kitty in one hit, didn't he? So perhaps we need to get some fresh voices on the podcast. But look, uh, absolutely brilliant. As always, we'll be working with Betway on that again this season. A few quid in the bank already. So uh, fingers crossed we can add to that uh, after Sunday's game at Villa Park. Stay with us because we've got Manchester City opposition view with Anthony Cooper, sports journalist and huge City fan, next. <laughs> So another competition that West Ham are firing in at the moment is the League Cup. Manchester United away uh, were the last victims of our rampant campaign. Uh, And our reward for that, of course, you get the nice difficult one out of the way, get drawn at Old Trafford, you think, oh, that's a pain. We beat them. And then moments after the final whistle goes, bubble massively burst when we draw Manchester City at home. Uh, One of them I could sort of take two really nearly was the end of me when that draw got made. But uh, we never know. We beat United away, which we uh, we hadn't done for about 14 years. So uh, perhaps we won't concede six at home to Manchester City, which we haven't done for about 110 years. So uh, all uh, to play for at London Stadium on Wednesday. I'm delighted to say joining us is uh, sports journalist and Manchester City fan, Anthony Cooper. Anthony, thanks so much uh, for joining us on the We Are West Ham podcast tonight for the first time ever. It's Manchester City's competition, isn't it, really? I believe I'm correct in saying that you haven't lost a game in the tournament since 2016. It's quite some record. All you do is win it, really. I was at the final last year against Tottenham, just like a pre-season friendly for you guys. They should really rebrand the Carabao Cup into the the Man City Cup. Um, I think (laughs) if, if we win it this year, 
we will hold the record for most consecutive um, yeah, uh, wins in a row in, in this trophy. Um, I think it's joint with Liverpool at the minute with four in a row. I might be wrong, um, but yeah. Of the League Cup, yeah? Yeah, yeah, the League Cup. That's got to be, I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but Jonesy, you might know as well, but that's got to be like an English record for of all time of like five times on it. Will it be five this time, Anthony? Yeah. So I think if we win it this year, it'll be five in a row, which takes it off Liverpool's mantle. Right, uh, I think okay. in the 70s and 80s, they did four in a row. Right. I mean, I don't know. Has anyone ever won even the FA Cup or five times in a row and domestic British trophy is... That's just crazy, isn't it? And perhaps a little boring. <laughs> it's a, it's another trip to Wembley. I was second home. I can't complain. Yeah. What 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 do you what what do you make of it then, Anthony? The the trophy because it's such a dead cliche that football fans and football pundits and just lazy, but they wheel it out all the time. Well, you know, which clubs, especially West Ham, Everton, Wolves. In that bracket of, you know, Arsenal get it a little bit as well. In that bracket of just outside the big clubs in the Premier League. Uh, I include Arsenal in that on purpose. Um, it's just easy to go, oh, those those clubs like that should be winning at least a trophy. As if Liverpool, Manchester City and, and Chelsea don't care about the Carabao Cup. As if it's like that the, the, they're not bothered about it. What's, what's your take on it? As a Man City fan, are you bored of it now and you couldn't care less whether you win it or not is bored because you've got, got this record it means more to you this season what, what's your take on it all so I think some will call it a Mickey Mouse Cup at the end of the day a trophy is a trophy and having supported Man City for 30 years plus um, we went through some torrid times and if the, the, the League Cup was the first trophy that we had to wait to win fortunately it was the FA Cup which you know has a bit more prestige but, you know, a trophy is a trophy and it's a trip to Wembley. And if you if you see your team lifting that trophy at the end of the day, um, then, you know, it's, it's you can't really beat that high. Um, for it's, it's easy to say, oh, it's, it's, it's only the League Cup after you get knocked out of it. I think yeah, yeah, anyone yeah. who wins that trophy, it's, it's a feat and it's, it's a, a major honour that goes on your club's history. And see, I, I, I seem to remember a couple of years ago that um, it was revealed that the reason why City are so ruthless in this competition, particularly under Pep, is because Pep deliberately targets this cup as like, a, right, you know, we'll get a bit of silverware out of the way early. Um, and it kind of sets you up for for what football, what the months after, after February. Um, I just wonder, I mean, how, how long does he do that without winning the Champions League before suddenly it, go, it, it turns around and goes, actually, no, we probably should try and win the Champions League. I know you lost the final last year, but it just feels like he's put all his eggs in the League Cup basket rather than going, let's, let's, throw, it, let's, let's, let's throw, throw something at the Champions League this year. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's... That, uh, that was a dig at the fact that City haven't won the Champions League yet. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's only a matter of time. I mean, um, the Sheik is in there for the long haul even if Pep doesn't manage to bring it in this season or next, it will eventually happen with the amount of money that City have, um, which I'm, I'm not ashamed of. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's a um, a case of Pep putting all of his eggs in the League Cup basket. Pep goes out, he wants to win everything. Mm. Whether it's the League Cup, Champions League, Premier League, even the Community Shield, 
he will be there wanting to win every single game and every single cup that's it's that's his disposal. Pep's got loads of baskets and plenty of eggs, isn't he? He's, he's, <laughs> yes, yeah. to be fair. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, and that's exactly how I'd be. I just find that annoying, really. And on all the talk of from the big clubs, it does come from Pep a little bit as well, but Pep and Klopp and all that sort of stuff who... Ah, uh, do away with the League Cup. It does my head in all that. I'm like, the whole the football isn't here just for you lot. It's like you all still put out strong teams who want to win it all the time. Stop doing that then. If you really have ultimate disdain for it, just put out under twenty ones if you think it's that pathetic and beneath you. But none of them do, and it just does my head in when they call for the League Cup to be done away with. That just suits them so they've got more time to play in the more financially commercially beneficial competitions. But that doesn't apply to the vast majority of teams in the Football League, does it? Well, I think City are in a fortunate position where our second team could still challenge for mm. the Premier League title. Uh, we've got the best squad in, in the league. We might not have the best starting eleven, but 22 players in that team, we could feel two sides to play every single weekend. Um, I think Liverpool may have fielded youth teams in the past, but I think that was an issue with the Club World Cup. Um, and to be fair, I think when play when teams do put weakened teams out, it's, it's a bit of disrespect to the Cup and, and the teams they play against. I think City, when we play some of our youth players in this game, I think it's a case of, um, you know, they want to start of pushing our youth team, especially when you've got players, obviously you can't really call Foden youth anymore. But we've got Liam Dillap, we've got Cole Palmer, who scored his first goal last week. Um, and we've got loads of youth players, even more out on loan, where there's a huge amount of potential with these players. But you will see them mixing with the likes of Mares, Sterling, um, Aguero when we had him. So God. <laughs> but, uh, looking ahead to, to, to Wednesday night, and obviously the fact you've been talking about youth players. Can we expect a, a mixture of first team players and youth players from from Pep on Wednesday night? Because, I mean, I'm I'm quite I'm trying to cling on to the fact that you know the more youth players City play, West Ham have probably got more of a chance. Um, particularly when you consider City's recent record at London Stadium: um, six visits, um, five wins, one draw for City, scored twenty three goals in six games at London Stadium. So. Can can you can you confirm that it's going to be more of a youth team rather than the first team at City? Because that might give us a chance. We might only can see three, and I back us to score four. You can never predict a Pep starting eleven. Um, I, I would. I think it's it's fair to say that Stefan will start in goal uh, because yeah. he tends to start the cup games, which I think is only fair. Uh, given Cole Palmer's uh, recent strike last week in the Champions League, I think he will definitely play. Whether he will start or not, I'm not sure. To be honest, with the amount of competition up for places at Man City, I think it's difficult for Pep to play youth over the first team <clears> squad <throat> of 20-plus players. Because, mm. you know, especially in that front third where you've got Grealish, Sterling, Mahrez, Bernardo, De Bruyne, all battling mm. each other for effectively the same spot. Um yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky one. Even at even at the back, there's two players in every position, bar Diaz. Um, so mm. it's yeah, it's 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 a it's a difficult one. I think that we should expect to see a few youth players, but I doubt any will start. 
Mm. I mean, Pep must have it in his mind as well that he knows he's coming up against a, a strong inform West Ham side as well. So, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I can't imagine he'd be willing to talk what we've done to United in, in the previous round. Um, and our, our B team at the moment, if you like, is is decent and they're, they're all seem pretty motivated because there's lots of games for them to play this year has been so far, especially with the Europa League as well. Everyone's getting a reasonable amount of game time, putting a shift in. So it's going to be no, uh, you know, the, I know most games are easy for City, but um, this will provide somewhat of a challenge. How do you see the game playing out then, uh, Anthony, style-wise? What's the Man City uh, sort of thoughts going into it, having West Ham and um, or West Ham away as the draw and, and, and what are your thoughts ahead of the game? So after JJ telling me the the recent stats and games that we've played, I think it would be fair for me to predict a Man City win. Um, I think I'd be silly to think that it's going to be an easy ride. There's no easy ride against any Premier League team. I think this season, looking at some of the games we've had, like Southampton, uh, were the most difficult opponents in, in my eyes. I think we struggled to get the ball off them uh, more than what we did off PSG, but and they they hit us off the break. So, yeah, um, going to the London Stadium as well is, is, is never really that easy. West Ham have got a very passionate um, fan base. Um, so I think it's, it's never an easy one going away from home. I think with it being the cup is in our favour, um, especially because you, you could imagine there might be a bit of a less of a turnout, especially if you guys play in Thursday night football. You say that. You say that. I, I saw something earlier. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jonesy, but I think it's a sellout. It, it was a, a very unreliable source, but I think it's a sellout, yeah. It's a sellout. And the, the, kid, the kids' tickets are nice and cheap. I think it's uh, – I'm taking uh, – going with my friend and his little boy. Uh, his ticket was two quid. The adult one was 15 or whatever it was. So nice and cheap, affordable football. And – yeah, all the tickets have been sold, so it's looking like a be a decent spectacle. Um, Anthony, it's been great having you join us on the podcast for the first time. Before we let you go, as ever, just get a score prediction off of you, please. I'll go 2-0 City. 2-0 to City, not even giving West Ham a goal. But Antonio surely gets a rest because he looked absolutely shattered at the weekend, <laughs> which means another game for... Uh, Hopefully, and uh, we all know how clinical he is these days. But let Anthony Cooper, sports journalist, Man City fan, joining us on the We Are West Ham podcast for the very first time. Really appreciate it. Jonesy, what's your score prediction then for the game? Wednesday night, London Stadium, quarter to eight kickoff, I believe. Yeah, I mean, given the form we're in, and Moyes has done so well with his rotating this year with the Europa League, we were questioning it. I think you'll get it right again. Um, It is City's competition. But I'm going to go one all, and then we'll win on penalties. One all, we'll win on penalties. Goodness me, well. you never know, mate. I Might don't as know. well. You never know. I just, <laughs> yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to think. I mean, it's been one of those seasons for West Ham, isn't it? So yeah, I'm, I'm going to. I'll go along, along your lines, and say that we'll be the first team in five years to beat Manchester City in the Carabao Cup and sneak an ugly. Uh, 2-1 I reckon to West Ham United Uh, Anthony brilliant having you on the show for the first time thanks very much for that and stay with us because we'll have another opposition view ahead of the Aston Villa game next (laughs) 
I'm delighted to say that joining us once again is one of your favourite opposition views that we've ever had. The feedback we got last time this guy was on was <laughs> second to none. It's absolutely brilliant. The last time I saw him, he was out in Tokyo fronting the BBC's coverage of the alternative sports, particularly the skateboarding, which everyone absolutely loved, including me, sitting there. Uh, enjoying my coffee and all of a sudden who pops up on the screen the we are stand podcast friend tim wildwood massive villa fan as well tim how are you mate it's brilliant to have you back and oh, pleasure. Uh, the listeners will be delighted oh pleasure mate absolute pleasure yeah um it's quite, how was the olympics yeah, it, they were it was bonkers eh? it was absolutely bonkers to be out there and be a part of it so i mean a bit of a backstory for you i've been a snowboarder since i was 14 years of age so um, yeah. i've been a snowboarder for forever basically over 30 well nearly 30 years and um so when snowboarding made its debut it was like felt like you were kind of showcasing this brand new sport to the world well it was brand new for other people but it did really well snowboarding just captured people's imaginations that had never really seen it before but the same happened with skateboarding as well you know to be out there i'm a terrible skateboarder i, I really love it but to be out there um and to kind of showcase these sports, which which went down so incredibly well. And of course, we did really well, you know, Team GB getting a couple of medals in BMX mm. and then skateboarding. Um, all I think a lot of people that had perhaps, obviously everyone knows about skateboarding, but to see the level of skill that these guys can do, I think it pro provided a real kind of wow factor for a lot of people, didn't it? So... Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, amazing. Sure. Amazing to I me. Mean, I felt quite privileged to be there. Yeah, I bet. I bet you did, mate. I mean, obviously, uh, Sky Brown's heroics helped sort of capture the imagination before yeah, the yeah. games, didn't she? But I think yeah. you're doing your... Uh, Doing down your own part there, mate. I think you fronting it um, had a massive part in in hooking the the audience back home. I know you had a talk of Twitter for a few days running, so that was uh, <laughs> lovely could, to I, see. It was so hot out there. I took a couple of Hawaiian shirts this summer or last summer. <laughs> No, this summer, it was this summer. Flip, yeah, I'm yeah, to get yeah. my dates right. I started, I got a Hawaiian shirt for my birthday in May. And I was like, why have I never worn Hawaiian shirts before? So I bought a couple, <laughs> bought a couple, took them with me. Of course, it was so bloody hot out there. It was yeah. absolutely like, it was like being in an oven. I know it sounds ridiculous and you probably couldn't really see that on the telly, but so I had to do a couple of trips to H&M while I was there and go and, <laughs> and buy a few more Hawaiian shirts. But I bought a Ren and Stimpy Hawaiian shirt and I bought one with broccoli on it. <laughs> purple tender stem broccoli and Twitter blew up the day I wore that exactly, one. Exactly, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic clubber for sure. Well, look, Tim. Uh, yes, so, mate. Brilliant, brilliant to see you, uh, you over there in the summer. Back to your beloved villa, of course. Oh, it's been a bit God. of a strange season, isn't it? I think, you know, last yeah. year was, was pretty good. You've added a few new players. Leon Bailey was an exciting sign, and Danny Ings, I thought, yep. wow, absolutely loved him. Yeah, uh, you're, you're thirteenth well. in the league at the moment. Doesn't really seem to be gelling, and just don't know, getting a bit stuttery. What what have you made it's, of it so far? Yeah, you're right. It, it's been a proper stop start for us. It's been that classic kind of, and it's Villa fans. Well, we all are. You, you're so quick to go into the oh, we're the worst, and we're rubbish, and we're this, and we need to. <laughs> but we're nine games in. It's still early season. We're only a couple of points off sixth place. Five points, I think it is, off sixth place. So, yeah, we're down in 13th. But, you know, two two wins and we're up there. Do you know what I mean? Providing everybody else above us loses. But it's like you, you, you've got to take stock a little bit. We've we still got a new team. Some big signings come in, like you said. I think the manager is trying to fit in. He's, he's trying to make them all work and make them all gel. And let's, uh, you know, don't want to dwell on it too much. But we lost Jack, didn't we? 
Mm. Lost our best player that that the team was built around for the last six years. So to to lose to lose him, um, you know, we, we are I'd say still going through some changes, but we have moments of brilliance. We play really well, we, and we can play really well. And we've got some exciting talent, and the team are really good. I think it's still just a bit of patience, isn't it? Still mm. just a bit of patience. Is that is that the feeling with Dean? I mean, you had the you had the fantastic win at Old Trafford, and then it's been three yeah. defeats on the bounce since then. Two one away at Tottenham, three two at home to Wolves. I imagine that one stung a little bit, mate. Uh, didn't it off? <laughs> Terrible showing at Arsenal. Um, what is it? You know, I mean, is it is there still? You mentioned patience. There is that the feeling among Villa fans as far as Dean Smith goes that you've had a big change over the summer with Grealish and the new players coming in. Just calm down, everyone. It needs a bit of time. I think so. Yeah, you, you see it going around as well, don't you? But I, I, for me personally, and certainly my, you, you kind of got to go from your extended Villa family, haven't you? And, and who will sit around in the Holt end and and the WhatsApp group that I'm in. We're all on, on the same page at the minute that it is what still. Was it, was it Uncle Tom? Uh, Uncle no, Ron. Uncle, Uncle Ron. Ron. That was yeah, it. That yeah. was it. Yes. No, Uncle <laughs> Ron true. is. Um, I'll be I'll be sitting next to him on uh, I'll be sitting next to him on Sunday, but um, <laughs> it's uh, no it, it it patience. We're all on the same page. We still love Dean. We still believe he's the right man. Um, because it it is when you when you go to United and you win, you've got to believe that he can get it done. So there's mm. there's something going on. Obviously, when you when you when you not playing, so Wolves was just one of them. It was, that was just one of them. They did play well, to be fair, and they had a, you know, they were always knocking on the door. But at, at two nil up with ten minutes to go, you got to see that out, haven't you? Really, you got to mm. see that out. Yeah. But um, I mean, at the moment, for me, this side of Christmas, it it you've got to just not spent we're not spent millions. Well, we literally have spent millions, but do you know what I mean? In the, <laughs> yeah. in, the in the in the in kind of the Solshire echelons, we we've spent nowhere close to four hundred million. In fact, I don't know how much we have spent to be fair. But and a lot of it's money you've bought in with Grealish yeah, using Academy well, products. It's organic money, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. We're not in debt. The owners still believe. I've seen some stadium plans knocking around to you know extend the stadium a little bit. So I, I just think as well patience you know mm. it is it's you get that football fan you know what we're like we're all rubbish aren't we we're fickle and we just want to be winning every week we love that feeling of winning and the moment you start to lose a few three on the bounce you're right is bad i'm gonna i'm gonna say that the the wolves one was a banana skin didn't watch yeah. friday i worked friday night but i had some friends that were i was working in london actually friday and i had some friends that went to the game and then they came to where i was on friday night and they just walked in and i saw them across the room i was hosting <laughs> on a stage and as they walked in because i'd been following it whilst i was working and they just looked at me and they shook their heads <laughs> yeah Not i did uh, i did watch that and it yeah it wasn't a bit of an abject show which was strange yeah. but i mean we've mentioned all these attacking players you've got watkins was obviously doing it last season and ings has yeah. come in there leon bailey no, i know he's not the replacement for Grealish because they are different types of players but he's sort of he was bought for that left wing position yeah um but it seems to be at the back that you've sort of having some problems. Uh, again, Tyro Mings and Conta last season looked absolutely fine. Brilliant. You got Matty yeah. Cash in there and stuff. What, what What's happened there? I mean, Martinez as well was the next best thing since sliced bread. And what seems to have happened at the back? I don't know. What if they, they've changed? And they, with Twanze becoming in, who I love, <clears> by <throat> the way. But to try and get them all in and get them all gelling. And Mings has had a little bit of a, he's having a wobble as well, isn't he, at the minute? He, he was 
from by all accounts pretty bad on Friday. Um, mm. That's what my mate said that walked through the door. He's like, Mings didn't know whether he was coming or going. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's it, it is just one of them, isn't it? I I I, I just would like a bit more. St- I'd like to just go to almost play um, a four three three. Go back mm. to four three three. You, you got to let Mings know that actually he might be captain and he might be the poster boy for the team now, but he's he can be droppable can't he if, yeah if yeah for course making mistakes and i don't know whether i'd like to think dean doesn't sign up for any of that i think i'd like to think that he is actually the kind of manager that he's in behind the scenes he's going do you know what i'll, I'll drop you if you're not playing well put a shift in kind of thing um and i'm sure he is but that's that's for me is go a four three three, and then I'd, I'd probably i'd probably go watkins up front as good as mm. Ing, you know, Ings is brilliant, but you know, he hit the ground running, he scored a wonder goal against Newcastle. Everyone's like, there we go, this is it. We know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I, I think, like, put all put Watkins back where he was last season, put him right mm. up top in the middle, feeding him balls, giving him that service, let him run his legs off. I don't know, 50, 60, 70 minutes, whatever you want to do, and then bring Ings on to do the yeah, same yeah. job almost. It's very strange, isn't it? Because there's often that, I mean, we have to see it among fans and football managers all the time. There's often that appetite just change for change sake. But what you actually had last season, I know you've lost Jack, which is huge. What you had last season was a pretty good recipe for a team, not just Grealish, but 11 players who were playing well and pulling the right direction. And Grealish was that bit of spark that, that got you over the line in a few games that you perhaps wouldn't without him. But there were 10 other players playing in order for him to be able to showcase his talents, weren't there? And yeah. it just all of a sudden seems like everything's been jumbled up a little bit too much, perhaps. But there's still faith that, that all the players are sort of pulling the right direction. It doesn't sound like the way you're talking, nor does your league position, really, that it's it's a huge disaster at the moment. I don't think it is. And, and we've had... John McGinn's coming back to, well, he's back, isn't he? He's back, been mm. back at his best, which has been brilliant. Matty Cash has dropped off a little bit. Matty Target uh, has dropped off a little bit. So once we, once the players find form again, we come back to find form. Because I think actually you look back to last season, we, we, we had a season where they were firing. All the players mm. were just, they all found form at the right time and, and gelled as a unit. And I think, you know, what, what perhaps what you kind of, you're missing that one man of Grealish that would perhaps drag the team. You, you, you've now got a team of really good players, but they need to mm. gel. They need to all be playing well. And that, that's yeah. what will carry us across the line, so to speak. Yeah, no, Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Well, look, mm. looking ahead to the game on Sunday oh, at Villa Park. Geez. Last season was a bit of a minger for you. Look, Jesse Lingard yeah. uh, burst onto the scene and let everyone oh. know that actually he's not yeah. finished. Like people thought, great performance. One of most West Ham fans called that one of their favourite games of last season, understandably. Uh, How are you feeling ahead of this one? There's sort of some trepidation uh, on the podcast about the game. How's it looking from the Villa? What, trepidation from your boys? Yeah, I I just think it's not always, always been a happy hunting ground. I always feel quite confident going there, Um, but it's not always been a happy hunting ground for West Ham. I think, I think it's just because no one really knows what Villa are going to turn up, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, which and team those... is going to turn up, yeah. Yeah, and you're talking about gelling. If it happens this week, those players on the top of their game, Ings, Watkins, you know, Leon Bailey, who's seen some glimmers of him already, they turn it on, they're, they're frightening for any team. So I think yeah. that it comes from there, just like, oh, what are we going to get here? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I'm going to go a cons- I, I think we'll have a I think we'll it'll it'll be a draw. I think there'll be goals a draw. Um probably go one all, I think. One all, yeah. What can you, add, you say like for. the style of play I don't know going, what I don't know what be? they're going to I don't know what he's going to do. I've seen on Twitter a few things calling for for just Watkins up top on his own trying to put him back and because his his body language has been a bit weird. That's the other thing we've been noticing in the old villa in the WhatsApp groups. Is he, <laughs> he's not his head's dropped a bit. He doesn't that seem to have like the swagger. And he's it's been a few times. I don't know if you well you probably haven't noticed, but goals have gone in and he's not there celebrating with the rest of the team. It's been a bit really? weird. Yeah, so yeah, I don't yeah. know. Maybe he's a bit football... disconcerted. Some... Yeah, yeah. Would you that? Would you think that's the arrival of Ings? Do you think or something else? Maybe, maybe, yeah, playing out of position as well. I don't know. Maybe he's, he's, yeah. But he's, you know, he's breaking into the England team. He's scoring goals in the England team. So, you know, why not? You'd have thought that the love would have been there, wouldn't you? You thought he would have, he'd be happy at the minute. But God, far be it from us to try and get in the head of professional footballers. Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. Well, look, 1-0, I think it's such a bizarre um, sort of way West Ham have been playing recently. There, there hasn't been really rhyme or reason other than every single player is putting in 100% all the time. Uh, but the game against Tottenham at the weekend, extremely cagey. Some games we've left ourselves really open, but we've been confident we're going to score as many as well. So yeah. hard to say um, how David Moyes will, will play this at the weekend. I think obviously sitting in fourth, it's one of those weekends where if we get a point because of our goal difference, we'll be fourth after the game week. And I think Wicked. in reality, a point away at Villa, they'd, they'd probably take it, to be honest. Is that, yeah, is that yeah. the view among the Villa fans as well, do you think? Or is it well, we need a win or just stop the rot? To stop the rot, for sure. Yeah, I think... Um... Get a result, get some points, start to get get that momentum again. Because midweek training, midweek is all very well and good in it, but you've got to do it on the week. You've got to do it on Saturday. You've got to get out there, haven't you? Well, Sunday in this case at four thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've got to get out there, and you've got to you, you've got to do it in front of the fans. Well, we're back in front of the fans now. You know, you've got to get out there and and get it done. So, um, I think for us, certainly for me, it is a case of a perform a performance. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. You know, a bit, bit of a confident boost. You know, ping some nice passes around. Get your performance up. Score a few goals and hopefully don't don't let in. <laughs> Lose again. Don't, yeah, don't yeah. let in more than you score. <laughs> yeah. um, well, so I take him... a draw. I take a draw, but that's me being pessimistic. Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. fair enough. I understand that. But look, Tim, it's been brilliant having you on again. You've said one all there. I think, I don't know, I've got a, I'd like to think we'd edge it. Um, we've obviously got a cup game against City this week, which could affect us on Wednesday night. But um, are you in the cup? Are you in the League Cup still? I actually don't know. Yes, we are. Sure. Yeah. You've, have you got, um, just trying to have a look who you've got before that game. Uh, no, it doesn't look like it. Next game, West Ham at home. So I don't know if you've lost in the cup. Oh, already. no, do we, we lost checked. to Chelsea. Ah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We lost well, look, Tim, before we let you go, you're going to score a prediction. How is Uncle Ron? Because I know everyone wanted to know. He's literally never been better. He's uh, <laughs> he's more than happy. He's more than happy as long as the Villa are playing well. He doesn't care if we win or lose. And actually, <laughs> actually, can I say this? This is a bit bad. I shouldn't really say this. He's more than happy when he sees Man United lose. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you can only imagine how he was on the weekend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a few wry smiles. Well, look, Tim, it's brilliant having you on. I know you weren't feeling too clever yesterday, so we hope you no, feel mate, better soon. Right. Thanks Thank for, you. Much better. Thanks for showing up. Absolutely brilliant stuff, uh, what you did over the summer for, thanks, for the skateboarding at the Olympics. It was brilliant. Appreciate and it. Uh, do give our respect and love to Uncle Ron as well. I will do, of course. Yeah, nice one. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Tim Wildwood there, a massive Villa fan, BBC Sports reporter. And stay with us. We have some final thoughts from me and Jonesy next. Well, there we go, Jonesy. Another brilliant show. Another packed show as well. Two games to look back on. Two games to look ahead Two, a uh, busy, busy time at West Ham. What a phenomenal uh, period it's been. A little bit apprehensive. Manchester City coming up on Wednesday before uh, that game at Villa Park on Sunday. What's your thoughts um, as far as, as this week coming up goes? I can see us. I mean, you reckon we're going to win on penalties. I, I know I've gone for a prediction that, that we might get through. It'd be absolutely phenomenal to do it, to be honest. I'm loving all of the football games we've got. I don't really buy into that. Oh, get us out and save the legs. Uh, I think it's an opportunity to rotate and use the fringe players, which we've done well, and they stepped up to the plate um, and got that excellent win at Old Trafford. Hopefully they do the same again on Wednesday. They deserve another shot at it. Um, probably Areola in goal again. I don't know if Alex Kroll's going to be back and fit enough yet or not. Um, but what are your thoughts sort of looking back, uh, which we've done a lot of tonight, but looking ahead particularly to to the next uh, week coming up for West Ham? I think it's going to be an, in, an interesting interesting week. I think coming up against a, a side in the Carabao Cup that just like just don't lose in this competition is going to be going to be mm. very difficult. Um, no even idea, if they do, it? even if they do put out a, a second string, which I think will be but their second string so good. But we should be expecting a bit of a weaker side from Pep, but I think it will it will show how far we've come coming up against a team like City in this competition. I know we'll probably rotate as well a little bit, um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how we get on against them. Um, and I th- I, the good thing is, is that it'd be great to go through. But if we don't, and I've, you've said it a number of times, is that if we do go out against Man City, then at least we've gone out to a side that's probably good, or either a better team than us or going to go on and win it. Yeah, we're not, totally. We're not, we're not losing to a, a League One side or, or anything like that. So we've already beat Man United in the competition. If we beat City, great, happy days. If we don't, you know, we are. There's no shame in it. There's at no all, shame in it. There? We've got. Nope. You know, we're, we're going so well in the Europa League. Um, we've got the FA Cup to come, obviously next year. So yeah, I think it's it's almost. Uh, I won't go as far as say free it, but you know, whichever happens, I think we can be we can be pleased with with what we've done so far in the competition. So, yeah. Totally. Like, I could do without another 6 nil though. Yeah, yeah. That's you know what, what I mean? we've got to avoid. And I, I yeah. think we All will. right, if we go out and we lose 2 nil, okay, fine. I think, but I, think, <laughs> I just can't be bothered with another 5 or 6. I think if you look at the two games we, we played against City last year, was it 1-0 at home? And then it was a late goal that we lost to at the Etihad, wasn't it? 2-1. Mm. Um, I think we're, yeah, we, we, I'd be very surprised if we do get absolutely battered um, <laughs> this time around. Um, so, so yeah, it, it, it is what it is. But then Villa, Villa always an, another interesting one for me because we went there last year and won, obviously, Lingard's debut. Got Brilliant those two game, goals. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's notoriously been a, a rubbish stadium for us to go to. Um, yeah. 
It always right. it doesn't feel like that. Do you know what I mean? For, well, whereas Goodison does. Villa Park, I always think, oh yeah, we always just fancy us here. There's just so, so, we draw against them. I think we've had like 15 draws against them in the Premier League year or something <laughs> ridiculous like that. Um, but yeah, I think as you said, they're in a bit of a bit of a difficult position. But they've you know they've got a lot, a lot of big names trying to trying to gel. Um, so we mm. could go there and and put a little bit more misery on them. But yeah, that's an interesting one as well. So it's a big a big was it. Week into a week, seven days and two hours, or whatever it is. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, sorry, yeah, you, yeah, you need to get on top of that, mate. I mean, look, yeah. West Ham at the moment, fourth in the Premier League, three points behind Manchester City after nine games, um, five behind league leaders Chelsea, and four behind Liverpool in second place with two points ahead of Brighton now. And what's phenomenal. Jonesy in a position we haven't been in well certainly before last season for God knows how long we've got the fourth best we're fourth in the league we've got the fourth best goal difference in the league as well ours is plus six beneath us Brighton are on zero Tottenham are on minus four Man United and Everton uh, are on one and then you've got Leicester Arsenal Wolves zero minus three and and zero Um, Brentford somehow I've got a plus two despite being twelfth uh, in the league. Um, yeah, that that in itself is brilliant. And you know what? Even if you get a point at, at Manchester City, uh, sorry, all we need is a point there at Aston Villa. Obviously, you want to go into it with a bit more confidence and a bit more hope and, and belief that we can win. But if you get a point there at Aston Villa, that guarantees us being in fourth spot, unless Brighton or Tottenham get some sort of freak result. Uh, that as good as guarantees us being in in fourth spot for another game week after ten games played, which I, I think is a, a brilliant position to be in. Hundred percent. We've only finished with a positive goal difference twice in the Premier League era. That's, I um, mean, completely but, believable, but that is ridiculous. Yeah, see, last season and um, the first ever time was last season at Upton Park. Hmm. First time we'd ever done it. So. Mate, um, how is that even possible? It's man? ridiculous, isn't it? It is ridiculous. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's nice to have positive goal difference. I think our overall goal difference in in Premier League era is like minus four hundred or something. <laughs> it's actually I don't think it's that bad. I think it's about minus two hundred, but still, it's still terrible, isn't it? Still ridiculous. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's good to start chipping away at that. I don't know if we could be positive goal difference, maybe sort of in about six, seven years' time. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, can't wait to a podcast in 2031 when we finally broke even. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Well, look, brilliant time uh, to support West Ham at the moment, mate. Great to be uh, chatting with you about it week in, week out, uh, as we have done for, for three or four years now. I mean, again, obviously, I don't want to be vague with my timings just in case <laughs> someone listening will be able to tell me exactly what it is. Josie, um, I've got to mention it, mate. I've got to mention it. Uh, fantasy football. Oh, sorry, mate. Sorry. I know. And I, I was the one, and I know it's the worst part of my personality because I was the one that said at the beginning of this year, mate, that we've got to cut down the fantasy chat because not everyone does it. It's a bit boring and it's a bit, and there's no doubt people listening going, yes, it is. And I know you're about to speak about it again, Will. What is the matter with you? Do you, uh, narcissist basically well yes um 103 points this week jamesy and this is the bit that i'm not sure if i told you or not and that you'll absolutely hate and i'm just going to open up the screen again so i can see your face but i actually forgot to do my team this week Did you? 
Yeah. Oh, wow. So I was, I was gonna text, I was gonna text you before it all started and say, ah, uh, the collapse has started this week. I forgot my team. My standard excuse has been wheeled out. So my, it was actually my team from last week that got me one hundred and three points and catapulted me to second out of 450 of the We Are West Ham podcast listeners in our podcast league, on top of literally every single other one. And I'm 6,700th in the world out of about 6 million players. So uh, I'm actually semi-impressed. I think that might officially, James, put me in the top 0.1%. Well, if you can stay around about that ranking for the rest Mm. of the season then you would have matched what I did about four years ago. I finished 6,600 in the world or something like that. So mm. um, I'm now challenging you to go on, beat me, mate. Fantasy beat. was easier in those days, wasn't it? I think everyone's agreed on that. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that was the case. Yeah, I don't think yeah. <laughs> any. Um, what, I would, what I would say, mate, is that, as I said before, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, I'm happy for you, though. No, no, Do you know what annoys me? I got, I got, eight, I got eighty-one points. That's like I think yeah, it's twenty mate, points over the average. I texted you and congratulated you, didn't I? That's a good average. See, that's what annoyed me about you at the weekend. I was like, "Why are you texting me congratulations?" And I hadn't seen your team at that point, so I was like, "Oh, maybe I have done better than him." Opened it up, hundred and three <laughs> points. I was like, "Nah, not even that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah sent you a nice little congratulation text well played mate on your 81 points which is impressive <laughs> yeah and that was all it was you didn't react very well at all it's almost mate like you don't want to talk about this anymore so i'm going to shut my mouth um shut my mouth and just say if anyone uh fancies getting involved uh, on the We Are West Ham fan league to pit yourself against myself, Jonesy, uh, and everyone else who listens to the podcast along with you. The code is O R one W U C. That's the letter O R one W U C, and that's on the official Premier League Fantasy Premier League uh, website. If you fancy that, as well as that, you can follow us on Twitter at We Are underscore West Ham. We're on Instagram at We Are West Ham Pod. Uh, on Facebook uh, and YouTube, just search We Are West Ham Podcast. Uh, you can get us and you can email us, of course, at We Are West Ham Pod at gmail.com and buy us a beer if you so wish uh, at buymeacoffee.com slash We Are West Ham. Thanks very much. Uh, we've had another spike in, in listeners. Uh, sorry. Well, we have had a spike in listeners, actually, but what I was going to say, uh, was we've had a spike in messages, interaction, comments, and all that sort of thing. I know we had a bit of fun with Robin earlier on, um, but a lot of you have been getting in touch with positive feedback and positive messages, just telling us a bit, giving us your opinions on games, uh, just you know, telling us you're listening and enjoying it, uh, and just getting involved a bit more. We're trying to do a bit more of that, and uh, we've really enjoyed it, to be honest. So uh, I know we haven't read out too many comments. Uh, this week but do keep uh, getting stuck in whether you're dming us or, or commenting on the public stuff we put up on whatever platform it is it's been uh, been really good to engage with a few more of you a bit more often than i think uh, we did last season uh, so keep that up don't forget as well subscribe to the podcast on your chosen platform give us five stars on apple Podcasts if you can and write a nice review that would be really handy uh, because there has been uh, there's a few more of you listening these days uh, than there has been the last couple of seasons. There's always been loads of you, but uh, gradually creeping up and up 
uh, week in, week out, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, so we love all that. So tell your friends about us as well. Uh, good old word of mouth is just as good sometimes as uh, a sharing on social media or whatever else. Uh, but West Ham United are fourth in the Premier League. Once we win the Europa League and finish there at the end of the season, uh, getting impressed by wins in the Europa League group stage will be old hat because we will be a Champions League team where, of course, we belong. Talk today about a, uh, a documentary being filmed featuring Mark Noble and what a campaign um, this will be to have him talk about if that is true. Things really are looking up for West Ham United. Just a little hats off and a hello to Billy Horschel, the pro golfer who was a guest of the board at the West Ham Tottenham game at the weekend. Love to have Billy on the podcast. We're still going to try and make that happen. But ultimately, this has been a brilliant seven days and two hours for West Ham United. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Up the hammers. Wet spam are massive. And we'll see you next week. This week's episode was sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. In this week's draw, you can win a fantastic signed and framed Mikhail Antonio shirt for just £4.95 a ticket and just 99 tickets will be sold, which gives you a fantastic chance of winning. Entries close at 7.30pm on Friday and the winner will be drawn an hour later live on their Facebook page. There's been some fantastic signed pieces from Paolo Di Canio, Said Benrama, Jared Bowen and Vladimir Sufau up for grabs since their launch. So head on over to Football Prizes .co.uk to check them out. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.